I'll call the regular town council meeting of April 11th to order at uh, 5 p.m. And uh, welcome everybody. And we now have the agenda in front of us. Any additions to the agenda, Mr. Parker? We do, Your Worship. We have one item and that is under uh, uh, 9.1. Town of Peace River, Northern Sunrise, ICF annual report to councils. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> any um, other changes, deletions? There are no deletions, Your Worship. Okay, would someone like to move the adoption of the agenda as amended? Uh, Councilor, or Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn, thank you. All those in favor of the motion? Okay, I think I got everybody. Deputy Mayor, I'm going to make sure that you make sure everybody votes in case I miss them. Okay, thank you. Okay, it is carried. Uh, we have the minutes of March 28th in front of us. Uh, you've had a chance to review them. Has anybody noticed any edits that should happen? If not, would someone please move the adoption of the March 28th regular council meeting minutes? I'll move them, Your Worship. Okay, Councillor Good, thank you. All those in favor of that motion? Okay, I think everybody voted. Uh, okay, it is carried. Uh, Mr. Parker, any public hearings? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we're at presentations and our first presentation is the Peace River Regional Airport Authority presentation and Will is here to start and maybe introduce everybody for the record and uh, welcome. Perfect, we're gonna put Mitch in the hot seat. Don, radio check, how do you read? Oh, maybe not so good. Maybe they're Don? No. How about that dog? Can you hear that? And can you hear that? Counselor Good, could you hear uh, Will? Yes. Okay, it looks like we're good to go. How about now? Is that a little better? There we go. Okay, good stuff. I'm just going to put the presentation up here. Be in business. All right, Your Worship, members of Council, thank you very much for having me back. Um, here on behalf of the Peace River Regional Association, this time I've got a couple people with me. Uh, and Mitch, I'm sorry, Mitch, I forgot your last name, lost 30 seconds. And Chris Dan, thank you very much. They're board members with the association, so. Uh, if you've got any questions, hopefully they can answer them. If I can't, that's the goal here today. Okay. How about that? Is that better? There we go. Okay. Sorry. Technology is wonderful when it works. All right. So question number one, the most important thing that I figured you guys would want to know, what are they doing over there? I figure that about sums up the most important thing. And the most important thing that you're going to get asked about as people that deal with taxpayers and ratepayers and people that want to know stuff, the Peace River Regional Airport Association continues to provide well-maintained infrastructure to support both medevac and forest fighting operations for the Peace Region. 
there we go. Straight up, it's in print. I can't take it back now. Um, I included this right up front because that supports our region. And we as the airport feel that this is a very important function of our airport. Um, we've changed how we do things a little bit. We've decertified the airport, which is a paperwork change for regulation. But I wanted to make sure that you understand that we still accept medevac aircraft and that we continue to support forest firefighting as we move forward. The last thing we want is the airport to burn to the ground. So straight up front, there it is. The other thing we're trying to do, attract airport users while drawing investment to the Peace Region by hosting events at the Peace River Regional Airport, such as air shoals, stole competitions, autocross meetup, drag races, flying breakfasts, and more. So you're going to say, what concrete dates do you have, Will? And I'm going to say none just yet. <laughs> that said, um, we've got a couple stole events that I'm, I'm talking to different people about. We're talking about an autocross event, which is where they put pylons out on the apron and drive as fast as they can around the pylons. Um, and it's kind of get the street racers off the street and somewhere a little safer. Um, it's a autocross events and stole competitions don't happen all over the place in northern Alberta. So the fact that we're looking at hosting it here is actually a, a pretty significant deal. Um, in another hat that I'm not supposed to talk about in Grand Prairie, this isn't the kind of thing we do. Uh, we're too busy with with scheduled traffic. So the fact that we can host that here is actually quite a big deal. What else are we doing? Bring economic benefit to the Peace Region by drawing in new business to the Peace River Regional Airport, such as aircraft manufacturing, aircraft maintenance, and a flight school. We have not signed on the dotted line yet for the flight school, but we are lining things up to start next month for a six month term with an aircraft base here and a ground school. So this is happening. This is moving forward. I'm really excited to make this happen. So this is a big deal for us because the more people we get flying, the more people use the airport, the more reason there is for us to exist, right? Like that's the whole goal of this airport is, is to have people flying around in their airplanes. And it's a big deal for the Peace Region because this isn't in Manning. Um, this isn't in Fairview, this is in Peace River. So the Fairview and the Manning folks, if they don't want to go to Grand Prairie, and most of them don't, are going to come here. And they're going to spend the night and they're going to do the ground school and they're going to do some flying. And it's a positive thing for the region. And we're really happy that, yes, we're succeeding off of this, but it, it brings it back to the people that have put the funding into this airport. So it's a, a real positive thing. Um, aircraft manufacturing and maintenance, I can't say much more on that right now. That's still very preliminary, but it's coming. Um, you know, we've got a couple different folks interested in that kind of thing. So it's, again, it's a big deal. It's starting, things are starting to happen. It's really good. And as far as a big overall general arching approach, we're going to pivot airport development and operations to move away from scheduled traffic and move towards general aviation. So why are we moving away from scheduled traffic? Uh, a couple of reasons. Frankly, getting scheduled traffic right now, especially recovering from COVID is very difficult. Um, with, the, with COVID hitting us, most of the major airlines have changed their model. It, it's always been a hub and spoke design. So Calgary, Edmonton were the hub, more Calgary than Edmonton. Um, and then the spokes, they'd fly the you know Q400s or, or jet streams up to the, the spokes. They've quit flying to a bunch of the spokes and they're kind of doing a mini hub into the hub. 
So to, to get the air traffic out of here right now is going to be real difficult. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. And, and should someone, you know, WestJet show up and say, hey, we want to start flying there. Hey, we're keen. We'll, we'll look at that. And I know how to make that work. I've done it before. Uh, but I can tell you that right now we need to look at, at what we're doing as far as optimizing the operations of the airport. If I could add something to that, it's not that we're we're not welcoming people to bring that service here. It's just I don't think long term something we can expect to be a revenue generator for the airport. So um, future plans have to be bringing that revenue some some other way. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I I held on to the mic. Uh, Councillor Good, I, I believe to summarize, we're not trying to kick anybody out. We want to make sure they have access to the airport. It's just right now, it, it may not make a whole bunch of sense to uh, uh, to pivot ourselves that direction as opposed to the general aviation end of things. Just to let you know, actually, I heard him quite clearly. But thank oh, you. okay, good. Okay, he can hear you. We're covered. <laughs> Perfect. We can cover off on that. Don't worry, there's a question section at the end for you to roast us. So so general aviation, what is general aviation? This is a term that we know that I figured you guys might not so much, so I wanted to bring it forward. Uh, general aviation or GA are non-commercial flying operations, so flying for fun. That's uh, kind of the flying that I do and Brett does. Mitch, he's a commercial guy, so he doesn't have any fun while he's in the air, but um, the whole idea is that this is the person with a, a little, you know, kind of two to eight seat aircraft that's flying just for entertainment purposes as opposed to make a living at it and that's that's who we're pointing at right now yes we want commercial operators but we also want to get our, our general aviation up and running so they're little airplanes what do they need it's not like they need anything right it's just a little four-seater they can't need that much from us but like anything they do have a few specialized items that they they need um, they need their infrastructure better tuned to small aircraft, so they need a crosswind runway. Uh, when you take off in a little airplane and the wind shifts 90 degrees, it makes your life very, very interesting. And uh, in order to get back on the ground, you need to point the airplane into the wind to land or else life gets hard. So they need a second runway that's, that's crosswise to our, our primary. So... You're going to have to squint real hard. Can you see my mouse on the screen, by the way, just to be clear? Okay, so right here is the remnants of the old crosswind runway. We used to have one, and I went in the Google Wayback machine, and it was quite some time ago that we actually maintained it. So that said, when we resurfaced the runway eight years ago? Uh, 2015. 2015, okay. That's pretty close. Uh, when we resurfaced the runway in 2015, uh, we abandoned this runway completely. So there's actually a ditch across it, and this is the fence line right here. So you cannot land on that runway as it sits right now. Uh, we plan on reconfiguring, so the fence will be extended to go around the new runway. Uh, the ditch will be filled a little bit and contoured to allow for things to continue to run. And we will have, in my super awesome MS Paint drawing, a crosswind runway. It'll be grass, so we won't have to pave it and crack seal it and paint it. And frankly, that's better for a lot of the smaller aircraft that we have running out of here. Big Tundra tires and stuff that landing on the pavement actually wrecks the tires. So they prefer to land on the grass. And those are the guys who are going to be using the crosswind runway. So what else do they need? A place to park their airplane. Uh, it's all well and good to leave your nice car sitting out in the street. If you leave an airplane sitting out in the, in the weather, it's really not that good for it. So everyone and their dog who has an airplane, they want somewhere to park it. 
And right now, hangar space is at a premium. But we've taken steps to re rectify that. So this is a proposed in the very early stages of planning, but yes, we've had it surveyed, uh, lot plan for hangars. And to scroll down a little bit more so you can get your bearings a little bit better. Right here is our terminal building and all these areas in red, the goal is that we will have those available for lease uh, here by the end of this summer. Um, these two areas right here, these two lots are currently leased to forestry. We're final negotiations with them to sign a new lease where they will be relocating off of that land. They, they don't really need it. The idea was that it was set aside for fixed wing water bombers uh, to refuel and reload if they needed to. If we had a big fire bust in the area, they haven't been used since I was hired here back in 2018, if we resurfaced 17. Um, and with the explicit agreement that if we do have a fire bust, we will be hosting them because we don't want our airport to burn to the ground and that would be bad. But you know, the, we want them here, so we're going to accommodate them. They, we have that understanding and they're willing to let us use that land for, for other stuff as opposed to just a single fuel tank that a helicopter lands nearby occasionally. Um, they'll be moving those operations still on our field just to a different location. Uh, all these lots along here um, will be, we're debating whether they're gonna be serviced or unserviced at this point in time and, and exact access plans, but they will be available and we're going to have space available for the people who want it at our airport. So we can zoom in a little bit better if you like the details like I do. So I'll let you take a look at some of the lot sizes. And then again, with the overlay, so you can see exactly where things line up. The biggest benefit as to why we decided to put the blocks on the other side of the taxiway is to utilize the asphalt that's already there rather than expect people to build lots further towards the west. And, and I don't think it's really important for most people to pave their way down there. So using what we already have kind of opens up the opportunity. Yeah, so everything we're trying to do is is to maintain a suitable operation that we expand towards this general aviation and, and the operators that we need here with the medevac and the fire uh, suppression all in a fiscally responsible manner. And so we're trying to do basically everything we can with what we have and, and make the most out of the, every dollar we spend. So those are kind of the two Two big announcements we have. That's the, the new hangar lots that'll be coming online in the near future. Three new hangar lots, crosswind runway, and a flight school all coming up this summer, which not to toot our horn, our own horn a little bit, but I think that's a pretty, pretty big announcement here in our first year of operation. So I'm I'm really excited with things moving forward. And I think we're going the right direction. But uh Ultimately, we, we want to continue to support the peace region. Success in the peace region is success for the airport. We want people to be drawn here. We want people to operate out of here, both uh, business and recreation. So, you know, success in the area is success for us. Um, by bringing in new business and new recreation ideas, uh, I think we're going to work with that and we'll, we'll continue to work with uh, you and the rest of the region as we move forward on that. And now everyone's favorite part of the presentation. Who's got some questions for us? Um, 
Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, very encouraging, I, I'm sure, for your uh, company as well as for the town and any interested parties. Um, so the, the new lots, the expectation is eventually people w might buy them and put a ha hangers on them. Is that what they might do or? Uh, the plan is to lease the lots as opposed to sell. Uh, we want to see a continued income coming from them and it allows us to maintain a bit more control over things moving forward. We don't want someone to to decide that they've bought the lot and now they're going to turn it into something that doesn't suit the airport as opposed to a, a hangar lot that we want to see. And by receiving a monthly income from the lot as opposed to a one-time fee, I, I think we're going to come out further ahead. Yeah. That's the plan right now. Things change. Don't tie me to anything, but that's that's what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks like uh, that using that pavement in that way uh, certainly maximizes its usage. So it looks good. Uh, Councillor Shannon. We just did the. So, if what you're looking to do then is more like the, um, the Villeneuve Airport. You're going more for a recreational, um, pay-to-play kind of thing. Hey, like I don't know if you're familiar with Villeneuve, what they're doing there. They're they're doing some great things at that airport. So is that kind of the model that you're going after, more like a recreational? Well, not to just say that it's for recreation purposes, for but there is a lot of. Of business owners that fly privately for getting to be in Calgary or stuff like that too, that they're not charging money, so they're not considered a commercial operator, but it's general aviation. So whether they're using it for just flying for, around for fun or for, for, for moving yeah. itself and their, their employees around, it's- Yeah, they're still- The airport's more based for, it's kind of built more for commercial only. And then for people like, like us starting out in our aviation, the hobby is it makes it really tough to come here because we don't have the facility, we don't have the hangars, we don't have versus building it, but you say it's kind of both. So is there a similarity probably? Oh, okay, I see. Want to be, like I said, we're trying to, it's like opening up the industrial parts of both small and big buildings, right? You don't want to have one thing, so we want to make sure we're diverse, keep, keep our options open, keeping the revenue stream going. But your intention is to hopefully have some events out there though, like recreational events that, yeah, like, the, like uh, what we were saying, like the, the stall competition we did last year, um, it was first of its kind. And what is that? It's called stall competition. Essentially, it's uh, planes that try to take off and land as short as possible. Oh, right. And it was our first time, I think, well, it's ever been done in Alberta, period. The uh, first time in Canada. So that was a pretty huge event for us. That's last year's first one. Um, so, and, and it's good, I'm assuming more of an annual thing. Uh, moving forward so that's bringing in people like i mean how many aircrafts did we have last year uh we wound up with like there was a dozen all together and then we ran into to a few weather problems which kind of put a damper on things but yeah it was quite a decent turnout for a first go just one event right so when you start looking at this i think the autocross is uh you know it's, it's like it's circuit driving it gets the guys off the off the roads uh, racing and you see lots of things and more so in a controlled environment where they can kind of pull some off the back roads yeah right you know so it's it's exciting stuff right trying to utilize every inch it is very exciting i'd like to see what i like what you're doing there good job 
Other counselors, questions? You should look at the screen here too. Uh, I don't have a question, but just it's what you're doing out there, like what what we what we've seen today, it's it's everything that we were kind of like secretly hoping to see happen and not so secretly hoping to see happen, but all at once and a lot faster than we thought it would. And like it's just it's just such a big, huge amount of good news and and uh your you know your your vision and creativity and in, in, in even thinking of the stuff and putting the stuff on and it's it's just it's just really good to uh to see these things you know work out so darn well so thank you guys your whole crew and please pass that on to everyone that couldn't make it uh from the from the board as well like this is this is it's really awesome thank you uh other counselors Kind of, kind of looking at Zoom here and trying to figure out who's in the room yeah, at the same time. But um, yeah, if, if you want a pilot's license, we can hook oh. you up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting because uh, if uh, I, I imagine there's not too many um, flight schools that are in the north as such that people can easily access anyhow. Oh, it's, it's really limited. Um, I was talking to the flight school in Grand Prairie here last week, and they're booking two weeks out. So the, uh, the option to have an aircraft based in Peace River is a pretty big deal. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I've said it a few times. I'm really excited about that one. That's a big deal to me. So I know Fairview's uh, airport um, has had these fly-in breakfast kind of events in the, in the past, I don't know how many years ago, but I remember hearing about them anyhow. So that sort of thing is also one of the things that you mentioned, I think, right? Yeah, that's still ongoing. So yeah. Another thing I'd like to break the ice on that's sort of a topic that comes up a lot with us, the terminal building is probably our biggest asset that's unused and our biggest expense. So there's still lots of ideas bouncing around about how to utilize that and kind of absorb some of that expense as well. So if anybody has any suggestions or ideas, that would, that would go Well, that. once in a while, we need meeting spaces, no matter what the hotels are doing in town. So I don't know if that uh, is a very viable idea, but uh, Councillor Shannon? Well, in a few days here, our economic development committee will be struck and we'll see what we can do to help you out with that part. That would be interesting uh, project to work on. And uh, don't forget, there's still the kitchen up there too. So that's uh, the restaurant thing is sort of an idea that always comes up, but it's got to be somebody else that's willing to take that on themselves. <laughs> would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any further questions? Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming and uh, best of luck with your future plans. And uh, I, I mean, the town will be, we are excited about uh, the new uh, direction for the airport. And uh, personally, I think it has many possibilities that we haven't even thought, or you haven't even thought of probably, but if anything uh, happens with our economic development committee that they can uh, fork it to you, uh, <laughs> I think they will. So thanks again and best of luck with your plans and um, that flight school. Uh, it'll be interesting what little airline or airplanes we might see flying over, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you very much for having us.
Thanks again. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks again. Okay, we have another presentation. This one, Mental Health and Addictions Task Force. And um, Mark Boychuk is uh, presenting this in his capacity in the community and not as a counselor. So welcome, Mr. Boychuk. Hello and welcome everybody. I'd like to introduce my new partner in crime here, Mitch from the RCMP. So we uh, kind of met up at a meeting there last week and uh, formed a partnership that I'm super excited about. I'm just gonna find my presentation here. While you're doing that, Councillor, can I just, Constable, can I get the spelling of your last name for the minutes, please? Sure, so it's Constable Mitch Second here. Oh shoot, I'm starting my audio here, but I don't know how to stop it. Okay. All right. I'm just gonna start off here with uh a little um oops. yeah okay hang on one second all this zooming stuff here so i'm just going to start off with a little clip of a, a young lady i ran into in lethbridge um it just kind of drives home you know and, and puts you guys there of what's really going happening happening in our community and and the interesting thing about this lady is that she has ties to Peace River and, and a coworker of mine that I've worked at the mill with for 32 years. So it, I, I've blacked out the video. So it's, it's just an audio, but it, it's, it's really touching of, of kind of what's going on out there. Oh. oh, sorry. Okay. I have to change the screen to that one. Okay. Sorry about that. I'll get this down to an art here. So for I can't seem to open up my zoom thing anymore. I tell ya, where did my zoom go that, uh, Well, I have to quit sharing on that other one, I believe. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, here we go. And then I got to go share screen. Right? Can you guys hear that now? Can't still hear this file? Okay, that's okay. I'll skip that. 
that's fine. Mark, I'm fine if you want to play it for the people that are there. Yeah, I don't think anybody can hear it. Um, anyways, oh. yeah, that's fine. Um, I just kind of, you know, over these past five years, I've, I've really put my feet to the, to the ground out in our community to see what's going on out there. And um, I've joined quite a few different agencies and got myself involved especially around the mental health aspect of of what's going on in our our community and thankfully some of these communities that i've gotten on especially the community advisory committee has really opened up my eyes to what our rcmp and stuff are having to deal with in our community um let's see here so how am i going to change pages here i'm really struggling yeah okay so i get i'm sorry i was thinking it was a uh, uh PowerPoint. So I always use this quote here, you know, when it comes to mental health and, and our situations out there, we're definitely not gaining any ground or, or, or even solving many problems. So, you know, I like to look at this as, as preventive measures are definitely the way to go. And our emergency rooms, the answer. And I've been in our emergency rooms many, many times to see how our doctors and our nurses and our, our first responders and um, the many people that visit them we're, it's not a solution to what's going on in our community here right now. This is a picture of a, a gentleman that's been sleeping in ATMs for the last couple of years. And this picture is kind of special to me because this is the first night I, <clears throat> that the shelter was opened and I found him sleeping there. And he was so, so fragile. I literally had to help him up, help him into the truck, help him down the stairs into the shelter and a couple of months later, I see this guy and he's a completely different gentleman. But, you know, just to show a picture that we have people sleeping in ATMs before we open up our shelter in our community. So just some data on what's going on. In any given year, one in five Canadians is experiencing mental illness. And by the time you get to 40 years of age, that's 50% have had or have a mental illness. So getting back to pulling people out of the river. If a treatment is really effective, then shouldn't the rates of disorder and ability caused by the illness be decreasing rather than increasing? So one thing a lot of people are saying that, well, if people would just quit drinking or quit doing drugs, you know, put the crack pipe away. I get that a lot of times and people don't really understand a lot of what's going on around substance abuse issues. So a concurrent mental illness and substance abuse problem means that someone experiencing mental illness and at the same time uses substances like alcohol and other drugs in ways that could cause harm. Substance use is a problem when it negatively affects a person's life or the lives of others. Addiction or dependence, needing to use alcohol or other drugs to stop withdrawal is one kind of substance abuse problem. So who is, who is affected here? Young people age 15 to 24 are more likely to be experiencing mental illness and or substance use disorders than any other age group. That same age group, the 15 to 34, the second leading cause of death for that age group is suicide. So people with a mood disorder are at a much higher risk of developing long-term medical conditions. So not only with people struggling with mental health issues, it physically starts affecting their body and causing very complex medical issues down the road. And at least 20% of people with mental illness have a co-occurring substance use disorder. So looking down at the bottom, Canadians in the lowest income group 
are three to four times more likely than those in the highest income group to report poor to fair mental health. And in 2018 and 2019, there was a 61% increase in emergency department visits and a 60% increase in hospitalizations for mental disorders for youth. So we need to do better. In 2020-21, we had 115 distinct children were served through the Protection of Sexually Exploited Children Act. In 2019 and 20 to 2020, 33 children in intervention services died. <clears throat> Six were by suicide. So <clears throat> in September 2021, there was 10,000 children and youth receiving child intervention services. 6,800 of those were Indigenous. And we have 530 uh, agency foster homes, while 1,100 family foster homes and 2,400 kinship homes. So Alberta is on track to report a record-breaking number of deaths among children and youth receiving child welfare services or supports this year and has begun moving young adults off financial aid programs sooner. That's one problem we've run into our community many, many times is aging children out of care without proper supports to help them into adulthood. To this year of date, 13 of those who have died were under the age of 12. Five were teenagers and the majority, at least 23 of them before October 31st, were among Indigenous children and youth. So youth experiencing homelessness are 193 times more likely to have been involved with the child welfare system than the general public. And 73% of youth who become homeless before the age of 16 have reported involvement with the child protection system. So looking a little deeper at this, mental illness and substance use disorders are the leading cause of disability in Canada. People with mental illness and substance use disorders are more likely to die prematurely. Up to 20 years is taken from their life expectancy. And this stat here, it just boggles my mind. The disease burden of mental illness and substance use in Ontario is 1.5 times higher than all cancers put together and seven times that of all infectious diseases. It's estimated that is 67,000 deaths per year are attributed to substance use in Canada. So what's kind of causing this is life events such as violence and trauma during childhood or adulthood can give rise to mental health and substance use problems if supports for recovery are not available or sought. Environmental factors that play an important role is access to safe and affordable housing, meaningful ed education and employment, leisure activities, and the support of the community access to land and nature, freedom from violence, and good access to healthcare and mental health services all support good mental health. Stigma and discrimination attached to mental illness and substance use problems present a serious barrier. And I've witnessed that in our community, not only to diagnose and treatment, but also to access employment, housing, and other basic necessities. Stigma both creates and deepens social margin, marginalization. So access to services. This is where I'm really struggling here and, and many people in our community are. About 28,000 children and youth are on waiting lists for mental health. The average wait time is 67 days for counseling and over three months for intensive therapy. 
Access to these services differs based on our geological, geographical area. In some areas, children and youth are able to access services almost immediately, while in others, in the northern part of our community, it could be up to two and a half years. The Mental Health Strategy for Canada recommends raising the proportion of health spending that is devoted to mental health by 9% in 2022. So the economic cost is we're spending almost $80 billion a year annually on mental health. Currently, the province of Alberta, it spends $1.7 billion on, on mental health and addictions. Two years ago, that was $600 million. So we're really picking up the pace. Um, Canadians spend an estimated 950 million a year on psychologists in private practices, and 30% of that's paid out of their pocket, and the employers are covering the other 60% of that. So what are the costs related to mental illness? Without the right supports, people with mental illness and substance use problems, their caregivers and their families can experience great suffering. There is an economic cost when mental illness and substance use problems go untreated. And when we fail to invest in promotion, prevention and other supportive services, for every dollar we spend in child services and prevention, there is a $5.60 return. We need a robust mental health care system with a wide range of programs and services, including health promotion and wraparound supports like housing and employment services to ensure that people receive their preventive care the treatment and the supports they need to recover and thrive. So what is my plan? Rural mental health is a complex problem in our community. To resolve some of these problems, solutions to complex problems need to align with the current issues. The government of Alberta's valuing mental health report in 2015 highlighted the need for specialized attention to mental health in rural and remote areas due to barriers such as scarcity of resources, cost of services and effectiveness. We haven't increased ours. You know, we, we really need to work on that. Responses to complex problems also need to be evolving and adaptable. Responding to the situation based on what we learn and by having more people and perspectives involved. Although mental health services are important and necessary, the need to explore other ways of creating community-wide support is becoming more, more evident. So what can we do? For meaningful exchange to exist, I believe the community must be the owners and directors of local priorities and actions. There is a clear need for communities and agencies across the province to collaborate on solution-focused promises, practices related to rural mental health and wellness, as well as identifying local priorities and potential collective approaches. Working together, communities can create new or better pathways to access existing corridors of care, facilitate shared learning, problem solving, and emergency practices, emerging practices. When we do this, we're all challenged to think differently about how we each can play a role in working together to support improved mental healthy communities. So no single organization person or community could build better mental health for all within communities and across systems alone. Therefore, meaningful processes that include diverse perspectives and partners is essential for healthier systems and people. A broader understanding of mental health 
mental illness, and community wellness is necessary to create the conditions that generate well-being and system innovation, which includes and goes beyond improvements to treatment services. Better mental health happens through a combination of formal and informal approaches where medical and community pathways are contributors. And mental health is not a state that is achieved indefinitely. It evolves and changes within people and communities over time. Therefore, the aim is for progress and not perfection. So it's my intention to form a mental health and addictions task force team to examine the challenges residents face gaining access to treatment for better mental health and substance misuse and the consequences around these lacking services. I believe that we can accomplish the following by doing this. We can bring together government and non-governmental health and community partners to improve equity of service and meet the needs of the vulnerable. We can determine appropriate government advocacy for increased access to services and reduction of barriers. Make recommendations for local action focused programs that provide wraparound care leading to improved health outcomes. Focus on community members living with mental health and addictions challenges, particularly the youth and those with housing insecurities, and greatly reduce the amount of time the RCMP spent transporting patients out of our community. So they have more time to police in our community. So my ask today, um, council members, is to designate a counselor that can sit on this task force team and work with the surrounding uh, municipalities and MDs so that we could sit as a team and come up with solutions that are very specific to our area. Um, and so that's generally what I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm not an expert in this by any means. Um, I have some really good guidance with me through the Rural Mental Health Program. And, uh, and that, that, so I have a lot of coaches and background, people with good background to guide us along this. And most importantly, I'm trying to tap on the leadership of our communities. The ones that are out there that have embedded themselves and made these connections that can help move this program in a way so we could quit talking about it. Um, I ran into a mother the other day who couldn't even, couldn't even explain to me the struggles that they're having. And, and she tried and uh, you know, she's just trying to get supports for her son. And it, this is hundreds of people that are experiencing this in our town. So I think of as community leaders, I, I really need your support in this to, to show that we care about our citizens and willing to make change and advocate for the services that we need. So I'm willing to take any questions at this time. Councillors? Oh, Councillor Carr, sorry. There we go. You said you're looking for a councilman to sit on this committee. Now, is that in addition to you? You're looking for somebody or are you doing that? Yeah, actually, I, I should have made that uh, clear. Is, is this is my role as a community animator through the Rural Mental Health Program. So I will not be um, representing the town of Peace River as a councillor. So I'm, I'm asking for an additional council member from this council and I will be the chairperson at the time to guide us and, and organize us and then we'll go from there. I'd be interested in that if, if nobody else. So I, I think though uh, the process is likely to be that this would go to admin and they will bring oh, okay. us a briefing note back to figure out the, some of the logistics <clears throat> of it 
as well. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, uh, Councillor Ford. Yeah. First of all, <clears throat> sorry about that. First of all, Mark, I really like the uh, the way you're going about this. I, I think you're organizing it more like our RCMP CAC group is, but we touch a little bit on this in our in our CAC group as well as the uh, the Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association. We touch on this a little bit, but what I really do like being it's organized. You're trying to organize it the same way, but more specific to to our region. Um, I think there's a lot of good that's gonna that's gonna come out of this. It's gonna get a lot of people at the table talking. Um, also, I know it has to go to administration, but with my contacts through ACCPA, I'd also be interested in sitting on this board. Um, other councillors, questions? Uh, Councillor Shannon. Um, I don't have a question. I would just like to say it's long overdue and I commend you for starting a task force like that. I think right now after COVID especially, it's really becoming underscored what our mental um, capacity is really lacking up here for mental health sports. So good job on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know I do a lot of work in our community with, with the vulnerable and those on the street, but this is right to the, this is, this is encompasses everybody from our seniors to our children. It's, it's, it's not just the vulnerable I'm, I'm advocating for. It's many, many children. We've lost a psychiatrist in town. So we need to put a lot of pressure and, and brains together to figure out what we can do to solve this problem. Okay, thank you. Uh, Deputy Mayor. Um, thanks for the presentation, uh, Councillor. Do you have, uh, how, many, how many other communities have you been able to hit, hit up so far with your, um, with, with, I guess with this presentation and, and kind of thing? What, how, how far is the region that you're looking to encompass? Um, well, I, I, like I say, I, I'm, going as I can. I, I've sent an email to the, the eight different municipalities and MDs in our area. I'm presenting at two more town councils this week uh, and another one in, in June. Um, it's on the agenda for our, our partners in Northern Sunrise uh, to discuss here, I believe this week as well. Um, so, and, and Mitch is, is already dedicated himself to this task force. And I was contacted today again by the AHS uh, addictions group that they're willing to support us in any means that they can too. So it's my goal to have approximately eight counselors, uh, myself and the RCMP and, and AHS or and a mental health addictions uh, representative. And uh, we'll go from there if we, we branch out to subcommittees and stuff like that. But I just want to get a core group of municipalities together and see how we can advocate as one uh, from that, from the municipal government aspect. Um, okay, any further questions, councillors? No. Okay, so well, thank you uh, both for the presentation. And um, so I, I think uh, maybe um, from the admin viewpoint, maybe we would have a, a motion to um, 
direct admin to bring back a briefing note um, on this matter, and then council could formally consider uh, the request at that point in time. I would make that motion, Your Worship. Okay, thank you. Mrs. McQuaig, did you get the gist of the motion or Kalinda? Okay, and is that sufficient for admin to know what they're being asked to do? <laughs> okay, um, we should uh, vote on this uh, motion and Councillor Boychuk would probably not, uh, I, I think you're okay there, but uh, all those in favor of the motion. Okay, and I just need, okay, Councillor Shannon, you're, your camera's off, so I'm, you're okay though. And I think everybody, anybody opposed? Nobody did? Okay, it is carried. Thank you very much. Our next uh, topic is the request for a decision with respect to the 2112 amendment to traffic and streets bylaw number 1746. And I think we have uh, Mr. McQuake. Uh, leading us through this. So, Mr. Yes. McQuake. Yeah, thank you, Your your uh, Worship and Council. So, before you tonight, uh, the Traffic and Streets uh, Bylaw Amendment, and uh, this uh, bylaw needs to be amended as part of the encroachment policy process that will be reviewed uh, later on uh, this evening. So the background on this is as part of the encroachment policy process, the traffic and streets bylaw has to be amended to ensure that the town has the authority to manage encroachments onto the road rights of way and specifically uh, those elements of the Traffic Safety Act. Uh, pursuant to sec section 13 of the act, the amendment to the traffic and streets bylaw authorizes the town to manage the temporary occupation or use of the road allowance or highway, including encroachments onto the road rights of way. And the bylaw is intended to be adopted concurrently with the approval of the new encroachment policy, which is uh, to follow tonight on this. So option one is that council provides first, second and third readings uh, to 2112 amendment to the traffic and streets bylaw number 1746. And then uh, option two is that council defeats bylaw 2121 amendment to the traffic and streets bylaw number 1746 uh, with the disadvantage that that would limit the town's authority to manage the temporary occupation and road rights of way. And I'll take any questions. <clears throat> so Mr. McQuaig, could you give an example of where this might come into play? So basically anytime we need to close a road right of way or, or uh, allow an encroachment to happen, we need the, the legal authority to do so. So uh, a case where this uh, might come into play is if uh, we wanted to close a right of way in order to sell municipal land, uh, we would need that authority to be able to do that. 
There are a number of areas within town that we have encroachments on town property. And so we need this as part of the authority to enforce uh, people either to uh, comply with uh, the, the land use bylaws and, uh, and the uses of the, the road rights of way, whether uh, like, for example, if you have a fence encroachment onto a road right away, and there are a number of them in Saddleback and throughout town, if they're, you know, uh, 150 mils onto uh, the road allowance, we're probably not going to take too much issue with that. And that's reflected into the encroachment policy process, which follows. But, you know, where they're encroaching by several meters, where we need to have them be able to move that fence line back to adjust to the property line, we need something like this as an authority to do that. So it's basically permanent road closure it's not the temporary street closure that's something no no different. this is that that would be totally different okay thank you uh councillors any questions and i'm looking at my screen so if you've got your video on i'll see you <laughs> it doesn't look like we oh okay so so what about land behind people's property like would that ever impact something like somebody using a little bit extra land that they have at the end of their lot? Yes. Uh, yes, that would come into effect as well. So there are uh, certain, there was a certain playground uh, area that uh, people over time had put fences further into the playground than they should have. So that would, this would impact that, would it? Yes. That would be okay, correct, good. yes. Okay. Uh, we're still figuring out technology a little bit here, but uh, any further questions, councillors? Okay, would someone be prepared to move first reading to, um, I'm kind of, so it's bylaw number 2112, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I'll move first reading for uh, bylaw 2112. Any further con or discussion on that? All those in favor of that motion for first reading? We get everybody. Okay. Anybody opposed? Okay. It is carried. Would someone like to move second reading? I'll move second reading, Your Worship. Thank you, Councillor Good. Any further discussion? Okay. Then all those in favor of second reading of bylaw 2112? Any opposed? Okay, I think everybody voted. Um, it is carried. So I think this is one of the types of bylaws where to go to third reading, we need everybody to um, agree to it. So would someone care to move us to do third reading? Uh, Councillor Ford, thank you. All those in favor of the motion? Got him. Okay. It. Uh, any opposed? Okay. It's carried. Would someone now care to move third reading of bylaw 2112, the amendment to the traffic and streets bylaw 1746? Councillor Boychuk, so moves. All those in favor of the motion? It is. Uh, all. Any opposed? Okay. Uh, is care. It is carried. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you, Mr. McQuaig as well. Okay, we're moving into um, unfinished business, which is a request for a decision on uh, the purchasing policy, I'll say. So we have Mr. Parker, no, Mr. McQuaig. So Yes, I'll be uh, covering this one, Your Worship, on behalf of uh, Director Bell and CAO Parker. Thank so you. Uh, before you uh, today, Your Worship and Council, uh, just looking to uh, update the proposed uh, purchasing policy. Uh, we've uh, kind of gone through this uh, a number of uh, times to, to date. Uh, we did go for public consultation and public engagement on this one there. And the engagement was open from February 18th through March 18th and no comments were received. So the proposed policy is now presented for council's approval. So uh, option one is council approves the updated purchasing policy is presented uh, or option two that uh, council elects to defer the policy to administration for further refinement. Uh, with some direction. And uh, just note that the proposed policy has had a legal review and uh, also has had input by a third party into refining the, the current policy as we discussed at the, uh, the GNP meeting. So, but I would be prepared to take any questions. If there's any further questions. And as Mr. McQuaig has mentioned, um, this has had several um, uh, reviews and discussions through council over the last uh, few months. So here's our last opportunity at this point in time. Okay, uh, then would uh, someone prepare or be prepared to put forth a motion on this matter? Yeah, I'll move that council approve the updated purchasing policy as presented. Thank you. Any further discussions or discussion? Okay, then all those in favor of the motion. Um, okay, any opposed? It is carried. Thank you, Mr. McQuaig. Okay, uh, what time, okay. Um, <clears throat> our next um, uh, item is new business. The first one, briefing note with respect to the Northern Heat um, Conference and uh, so on. And we have Chief Harris to lead us through this discussion. Your Worship and Council, just um, a briefing note regarding our Northern Heat Fire Conference, uh, just to Kind of bring everybody up to speed who's not familiar with it. Um, so I believe you have the, the briefing note was in the package. So I'll just summarize uh, a few of the items. I won't go through it in too much detail as it's there. So um, Northern Heat Conference. So it began in 1999, um, which is some uh, fire chiefs getting together to discuss some issues and has really grown over the last 20 plus years to be the premier conference in, in Western Canada. Um, in 2016, we rebranded the conference with the acronym of a Northern the Heat for the hands-on education and awareness training um, to really uh, reflect what it does provide. Um, 
So the conference is actually hosted, though it's run in Peace River, it's hosted by the Peace Regional Fire Chiefs, the organization of chiefs from across Northwest Alberta that form part of um, the AF, the Alberta Fire Chiefs Association Zone 1. And you can see from the little map there, it's quite a large region that we're in, in this part of the province. Um, the conference has always sort of been held in the town of Peace River because of its central location within that region, um, though there's a lot of input from fire chiefs from around the regions, not just us. Um, so the two components of the conference, two days of live fire training, and then two days of uh, conference seminars and more practical training and, and a trade show. Um, so the conference has been postponed the last couple of years due to COVID along with everything else. Um, but we are planning full steam ahead for the conference coming up in, uh, in about three weeks. Uh, May 4th to the 7th, that's a Wednesday to a Saturday. So the first two days are the live fire training conducted at the uh, fire department's training site in the West Hill Industrial Area. Um, and then the next sort of page describes the structures that we have and the type of uh, fire scenarios that we can, can uh, provide the students in those structures. And these structures are engineered specifically for this purpose um, from the company that supply them. Then and they, they look like just sea cans put together. They are actually engineered for this very function. When we did purchase these sea cans, it came along with the training on how to instruct in them in a safe manner. We, we only use these engineered structures for doing our live fire training. We've gone away from using um, acquired structures, so old houses, old buildings, that kind of thing. Uh, we don't use those anymore because of the, um, the unknown unknown risks of what the fire can do. With these uh, structures, we can control exactly what the fire does. Um, and we're trained to certain standards within that. Um, so they are a lot safer to do it this way. And we can simulate fire conditions very well in these structures. Um, the injuries that have occurred during life fire training, especially in the United States, is usually occurs in, in those acquired structures where they don't know how the fire is gonna react. Um, with even hidden things in the walls of structures, the different way the fire reacts coming. Um, so we do offer the live fire training. We have up to 64 students in, in four groups of 16. They spend a half a day in each station and uh, learn the, the skills that are given to them. Um, as well as the, so the live fire structures, we actually use what they call class A materials. So it's actually um, OSB wood on the, on the walls and ceiling and a, a pallet of, um, I mean, a barrel of cut up pallets in the corner, which is where the fire gets started from. So they do give realistic smoke and heat conditions. The other prop that we have is a pro liquid propane fueled prop. Um, we have um, props that are set up um, like a vehicle, a car, um, barbecues, propane tanks, gas valves, that kind of thing. And the flame and the fire is, is fueled by the propane. These simulate the fire, so the firefighters then train in you know, uh, advancing on the fire and controlling the fire. So we're 64 students and it takes another 50 support people to run the live fire training. So that's in a hundred, over 100 people we have for those two days that are staying in town and visiting town. Some of the support staff are supplied by Peace River and local fire departments, but a lot of them are coming in from, from the other areas as well. 
there's just an overhead view of of the training site. The other two days of the conference is uh, the actual seminars for the the the, hand, the lecture type seminars, as well as two more days of practical training. Uh, with the practical training is held at our training yard, and the uh, seminars are at the uh, Chateau Nova Hotel in the, some of the conference rooms there. there. As well as that, uh, we have a trade show going on. Um, so fire department suppliers have come to the town and uh, show off their, their recent their recent products. Um, so we have another, so far this year, 45 representatives have booked to come and uh, as part of the trade show. Um, so with uh, with all the firefighter delegates coming, the trades representatives and all the support staff, um, so approximately 200 people are here for the, the second two days, another 110 for the first two days. Um, so it does bring a lot of people into town. These people are staying in town, spending the money in town. So it is a big uh, benefit to the town in that in that way. Um, what I did mention here in in even for this year's conference, we have people already registered from uh, Beaumont. Southern Alberta from Gibbons from Minburn County. So they're coming quite a distance. In past years, uh, we've had people registered from Hay River in the Northwest Territories, from Burns Lake in BC, and even as far south as Medicine Hat in Alberta. Um, so it is a well, uh, well-known conference. It is one that people want to come to for the type of training that we offer um, at the conference. So, and it does bring people into Peace River from from a long way away. And some people will, will bring their, their wives and their families along as well, uh, who'll who you know obviously doing other activities while while their um family member is, is at the conference. So um it it is a big benefit to the town. The town in the past we've have asked um municipalities in the region to support the conference financially. Um, we've never asked the town of Peace River for that because the town is already supporting the conference greatly um, through in-kind donations, you know, my time, our firefighters' time, the use of the facility, uh, all that kind of stuff. So we, we, the town does support it in that way. Um, so then other municipalities that aren't supporting it, we, we, we have asked for sponsorships as well. Um, we do buy a lot of supplies from local businesses. We also ask for donations from local businesses as well. Um, with all this kind of in-kind support is, is how we can actually offer the conference at a reasonable price so that it is a benefit to those small fire departments that don't have large training budgets. And they would have to travel a long distance. There isn't really another conference in Alberta that offers this kind of training. Uh, but they would have to travel a long way and spend a lot more money to get the similar kind of training that we can offer. Um, like the Alberta Fire Chiefs Association Conference and the Canadian Association Fire Chiefs Conference, they don't offer the kind of hands-on live fire practical training that the, our conference does. Um, so that's kind of a brief overview of, of Northern Heat. Um, if anyone has any questions. So um, ha having um, a, a hundred or so extra people um, in a couple of days, and you said uh, 200 sort of is the total for the last two days, and then 45 um, vendors sort of thing. Uh, that is quite a few people to have come to town and 
partake of um, food and accommodations and I don't know gaffs at the gas pumps yeah. too yeah um so um uh, does chamber of commerce become aware of this formally or not so much um good question we've never really yeah. approached them in any formal sense no yeah because sometimes i think they're not aware that uh, we do have certain things happening in town and just that awareness kind of builds some steam in terms of um, uh, uptake and uh, goodwill, I guess, with respect yeah. to um, visitors and why they might be there and that sort of thing. Uh, Councillor Shannon? Uh, do you have a spousal program? Oops, sorry. Do you have a spousal program in place uh, for for the people attending with the like the spouses for, we, for um, anything to do yeah we we don't i know that's a uh, a thing at other conferences i've been to um a partners program i think they call it we haven't done anything for me for that no um it's something i'm just sort of thinking of as as i was giving this presentation so in my view i, I want to do some sort of survey with, surveys with the delegates this year and seeing if that might be one of the questions is if we offered some kind of program with that would that be a benefit so i'd um, i'd like to connect with you offline on that if that was a possibility i'd be up for helping out with that sure no that would be great thank you um other counselors questions i uh was able to tour the site there after school i snuck up in chief harris toured around and if you yeah get to see some of that stuff on the inside nothing was on fire it was all very safe and safety first and, and that kind of thing but it's it, it it is really impressive and then and then hearing just the the kind of training that we offer in our we'll call it our little corner of the north here is it's uh it's definitely a, a, a feather in the cap of our of our joint department and and uh for our region so um I guess we have a request coming up, so we're looking forward to that too here for later tonight. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's really impressive and too bad that it couldn't happen for a couple of years. And actually on on that point, um, all councillors are welcome to attend and see the some of the uh, training going on. Um, the live fire training is is something to watch and you will be able to see some of the Activity, the, the propane props, that's all outside. So you'd actually better see the firefighters in action there. You can't see the firefighters inside the cans. Um, but uh, it can be arranged. We we have, uh, um, you would need to be escorted around the site, but uh, I can certainly be available to do that anytime. Any councillors are able to attend. Uh, so the Wednesday and Thursdays are live fire training. And we normally go from about, uh, Sort of nine to twelve and one to four is when we do the the part of the training. So please let me know if you'd like to come. Okay. Any other uh, questions of Chief Harris? Uh, Councillor Ford. Yeah, I just want to reiterate on uh, what Councillor uh, Scamahorn had mentioned and Chief Harris that if you get a chance, if Council gets a chance to go up and see that facility, it is incredible. And I have in the past um, did that escorted tour around with uh, with Chief Harris during the live practices and the live training, and it is a sight to see. It is it is quite incredible. 
Okay, well, um, I'll just uh, take a pause here and I'll ask for a counselor to um, uh, accept the briefing note on Northern Heat for information. Uh, Councillor Carr. Okay, all those in favor? I think we got everybody. Uh, okay, it is carried. Thank you. And thank you, Chief Harris. So now you're here on item two request for a decision with respect to the Northern Heat opening ceremonies. Please continue. Thank you, uh, Your Worship. Yeah, following on from that, um, we do have the official opening ceremonies for the conference as, as part of that second two day uh, segment. So on Friday, May 6th at uh, 8 a.m., we begin our opening ceremonies. And I'd like to ask if uh, the mayor or mayor's designate uh, could attend and bring welcoming remarks on behalf of the town of Peace River. Well, I've looked at my calendar. It does work for me, but uh, mayor or designate would be a good motion. I'll, I'll move that the, the mayor or designate uh, be able to bring greetings from the town and it sounds like the mayor will be able to be there. It's good news. Okay, thank you. Uh, any further discussion? All those in favor of that motion? Okay, any opposed? Okay, it is carried. Well, thank you, Chief Harris, and good luck with the conference and all the planning that goes into such an affair. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, now we have a request for a decision with respect to uh, a policy on encroachments and Mr. McQuaig, I think you're on this one as well. I am your worship. Uh, so your worship and council, uh, the request for decision is on for the policy for encroachments. So encroachments onto the lands uh, that the town holds an interest in are managed by three outdated policies and a new encroachment policy has been drafted to effectively manage the encroachments. And this uh, takes into account the, the previous bylaw that uh, we passed this evening. So the background, uh, the town owns a variety of parcels of lands of, as we've discussed previously. Uh, and uh, this policy goes to how we manage those lands and encroachments are usually discovered when a property is surveyed or sometimes when a certificate of compliance is requested or such as an RPR uh, comes forward. The town realizes encroachments exist on municipal lands and will continue to be discovered. Uh, the town must ensure that encroachments do not adversely affect municipal lands and have a mechanism to address the encroachments. And we've talked about a little bit about that earlier this evening. So currently the town is a party to 30 existing encroachment agreements with property owners in the town. These encroachments will continue to be managed by the terms and condition, conditions of the existing agreements. So those agreements will be grandfathered in. As a part of the policy development process, the town's template uh, has also been reviewed and updated. So the new encroachment policy was shared with the community for public feedback from March 7th to the 21st. One comment uh, was received which was presented to council for consideration on March 28th. And uh, subsequently no changes have been made to the new encroachment policy. So correspondingly, uh, the fees and charges bylaw update will also reflect uh, certain updates 
uh, to the encroachment agreement fees uh, that are uh, reflected in the process in, in this policy. So the updated annual fees are proposed to, as well as a uh, $300 encroachment agreement application fee and will be incorporated into the 2022 update for fees and charges. The fee schedule has been simplified and the $300 uh, application fee is proposed to cover the administrative costs of processing the application and encroachment agreement. And when we reviewed the fees, we did review those in correspondence to other municipalities and uh, we are still fairly low compared to other municipalities in that regard. So uh, option one, the council approves that the new policy on encroachments as presented and that council rescind the current policies relating to uh, the encroachments. Or option two, the council provides direction with respect to any required changes to the policy and directs administration to present an updated policy on encroachments for decision at a future council meeting. Uh, and then option three, the council accepts the request for information and retains the current policies regarding to encroachments. And administration's recommendation is that council approve the new policy on encroachments as presented and that council rescind the current policies relating to encroachments, specifically policy 61-2001 and policy 31-1990-01 and directive 61-1995-01. And I'll take any questions. Councillors, any questions? I think the, uh, the fee is, I was, looking at one of these types of agreements the other day and it was written in 1998 and it, it's not a small document it, it's certainly something that takes admin a significant amount of time to put together so I, I don't think the fee is out of line at all either from what I can see okay any further comments would someone be prepared to I think we'll split this into two motions if possible um, the first one, if someone would like to put forth a, a motion to approve the new policy on encroachments as presented. So moved. Uh, Councillor Good, thank you. Any further discussion on that motion? All those in favor of that motion? I think we've got everybody. Anybody opposed? No? Okay, it is carried. And then a second motion with respect to rescinding various things. Anybody care to put forward a motion? I'll pick Councillor Ford. Okay, so moved. Okay, so the motion is to rescind the current policies relating to encroachment, specifically P61-2001 and P31-1990-01 and direct to 61-1995-01. Any discussion on those? Excellently worded, Councillor Ford. He does well. Um, any, uh, all those in favor of Councillor Ford's motion? Okay, any opposed? No? Great, it is carried. Uh, the next uh, item, we have a request for decision with respect to an invitation to the Nicole Catravan construction startup ceremony. And uh, Mr. McQuaig, it looks like this might be under your uh. domain. Yes, Your Worship, uh, present this on behalf of CAO Parker. So uh, 
mayor has received an invitation to attend the construction startup ceremony for L'Ecole de Catrevin and bring greetings on behalf of the town. So the background there is uh, the Conseil Scalaire de Nord-Ouest received notice in 2019 that a new francophone school was approved for Peace River. This is a welcome and long sought, sought project, replacing an aging and insufficient facility with a building more suitable for needs of modern learners. Sorry, it's about to delve off into the French on that one. Uh, the school board is pleased to announce that the construction on the new facility will be starting shortly with a groundbreaking ceremony to be held on Friday, May 6th. And CSNO has invited the mayor to attend and bring greetings on behalf of the town. So option one is that the mayor designated designate be enabled to attend the construction startup ceremony at the new EQV site on Friday, May 6, 2022, and bring greetings on behalf of the town, or option two, that council accepts the request as information. Our uh, administration's recommendation is that the mayor does not be enabled to attend the construction startup ceremony at the new, new uh, Colt Cathava site on Friday, May 6, 2022, and bring greetings on behalf of the town. Thank you, Mr. McQuig. Um, any Councillors with uh, discussion items on that one? Someone would care to put forth a motion, perhaps? I'm assuming your schedule is still free on that day, too? Yeah, I'd go to the fire thing in the morning, and then I'd turn up at the school. All right, well, we may as well fill your day. So mm -hmm. I'll move that uh, the mayor or designate be able to attend the construction startup ceremony at the new EQV site Friday, May 6th. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Um, any further discussion? All those in favor of that motion? I think we got it. Anybody opposed? It is so carried. Thank you. Okay, the next item on our agenda is request for decision re repealing of policies and updates of directives. And uh, Mr. McQuaig, could be you right now. Yes. Thank you, Your Worship. So uh, before you, uh, your worship and council is a request for decision to repeal of policies and updates uh, of directives. Uh, so administration is continuing the process of reviewing amending policies and has identified several that required some administrative changes. Uh, we have reviewed these at the, the governance and priorities meeting uh, of April 4th, 2022 and then they were uh, administration were instructed to bring those forward again to uh, tonight for a decision. So option one is that council repeals uh, directive 12, 2004 processing and payments for related parties, uh, directive uh, 12, 2007 computer disposal policy, uh, Directive 12, 1991 01, use of public works equipment, and Directive 56, 1996 02, uh, cemetery closing of rows 3 to 23. Option two, that council reviews the provided original directives and provides direction to administration on which ones to retain. Or option three, that council accepts the request for decision as information. Administration's recommendation is that council repeals uh, the said directives, uh, being D12-2004, 
1991, and D56, 1996. I'll take any questions. Councillors, any questions? Deputy Mayor? Here, sorry, just finding the right button. The, the are those rows full at the cemetery then? Uh, no, yes, they they are pre-existing uh, rows that we're not accepting any interments into those rows. Okay. Just curious. Uh, would you care to put forth a, a motion to? No one, no one wants to read all those, do they? <laughs> Hard to say. Well, I'll try it. Uh, I'll move the council repeal D twelve two thousand four oh one. Uh, process of payments for related parties, D12-2702, computer disposal policy, D12-1991-01, use of public works equipment, and D56-1996-02, cemetery, closing of rows 3 through 23. Very good. Any further discussion? All those in favor of the motion? Any opposed? It is carried. Thank you. Okay, number six, we have a briefing note with respect to the... Um, Local government, I'm not sure what AA means, LGAA conference sessions. And uh, it looks like um, Mr. McQuaig might be going through this one as well. Yes, Your Worship. Uh, so uh, CAO uh, Parker, myself, and uh, Ruth McQuaig uh, attended the LGAA conference uh, last week. Uh, a lot of good sessions, a lot of good information uh, that was brought forth uh, from that conference uh, that uh, we took back with us uh, to distribute uh, to our staff. So just a little bit of background, the LGA is an association which provides professional development network and advocacy opportunities for municipal administrators. While AM and RMA are geared towards broad policy issues and, and building links between the various levels of government, LGAA focuses on administrative challenges, leadership, and operational best practices. Between the workshop sessions and discussions with other delegates, there were several items that were of interest to the municipality. Uh, first were discussions with uh, Alberta municipalities. Uh, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, their staff there, and there were some fruitful conversations and progress that were made on two files. One was Councillor Good's application to host a workshop and make a presentation to the Alberta Municipalities Board. Following a conversation with a senior AM advocacy mem member, we were able to provide additional context and help move the request forward in the overall process. So the AM staff member will consult with the board regarding the next steps. Also, uh, GSC. Uh, which our legislative coordinator Ruth McQuaig was fairly involved in uh, that process in our latest GST uh, challenges. Uh, she had a chance to talk with her counterpart at Alberta municipalities and uh, Alberta municipalities shared the, the town's concern that the ruling did not fully clarify the question of how and when the GST will be imposed on intermunicipal agreements. They have further marked this item as objective not fully met and are keeping the file open. They were willing to, uh, they will be writing to the Minister of National Revenue requesting an update of the regulation or, or a clarifying document to address the matter. And an update will be issued to all municipalities via the weekly newsletter. 
And I don't know, uh, Ms. McQuaig, have you got anything to add on to that? No, that was the crux of it. I mean, while they were very pleased on our behalf, they agreed that it really doesn't clarify things. So they're going to push for the clarity on that item. Mr. McQuigg, did you want me to tackle the next item? Yes, I was going to ask if you could, please. This is, I suppose, um, the kind of workshop that a procedural geek goes to. Uh, the procedural bylaw is council's bylaw. It is how council wishes to work together and structure their meetings. And it's solely by council for council. And there were a number of uh, things that came out of this. Um, it turns out that our 28 page bylaw is actually relatively average in terms of size. They ranged from six to 46 pages. Uh, 46 pages was the city of Calgary. So let's not go to one of their council meetings. I have a feeling it's, uh, they did point out that there can be a discrepancy between experienced counselors and counselors less familiar with the bylaw. And when you have a bylaw that has very nuanced in terms of notices of motion or points of order or points of privilege, uh, some councils have found their membership weaponizing the bylaw as a way of diverting debate or trying to shut down. So having a bylaw that meets and allows council to do what council would like to do is very important. And they did recommend that every new council review the bylaw and make sure it's actually meeting their needs. For example, the previous council, we did go through and address some issues clarifying who approves the agenda and what that process looks like. So they had a number of good possibilities. Um, notices of motion, I found a way that we could do it in one meeting rather than it requiring three meetings for that process to happen. How to help counselors bring items to council. There's a process we could look at that. We could take things, some things out of the procedural bylaw. One thing that I thought council would probably be very supportive of was moving it over to plain language. Right now, it's a lot of Robert's rules of ordery, shall, main motion, uh, fairly esoteric unless you're a, a parliamentarian, which I'm fairly certain folks don't enter uh, municipal government to become a parliamentarian. They wanna get things done. Uh, oh, uh, and one of the things that I thought council might wanna discuss is the possibility of rotating the chair for the governance priorities meetings. This not only gives the mayor a chance to interact with the council in a different way, but gives everybody uh, not, not quite a turn in the hot seat, but uh, kind of getting their hands on, on the governance, that's that form of governance. So if council wishes, this is something that we could read, I could redraft and we could bring to a future GNP for council to look at some ideas of what they like about the procedural bylaw or what they want to see changed. I think we're, we're due to have a look at it. I thought it was sort of July, August timeframe maybe, but I don't know why I think that. I just know we were due to have a look at it again. I believe we're due to look at the code of conduct again. Yeah. And uh, we did have some information yeah. from municipal affairs. Municipal affairs was considering um, getting rid of the code of conduct requirement, uh, but they got a lot of pushback from municipalities that said we would like to leave it in but they are going to look at restructuring it or putting in different requirements. They realize that it doesn't quite do what they wanted it to do. 
Yeah, I think for both of those, I think uh, previous council um, thought it needed to be looked at or they needed to be looked at again. Yeah. Oh. Okay, thanks. Okay, and uh, Ms. McQuigg, could you touch on the next two items and I'll touch on the last three items. Oh, certainly. So there was an update on the project that they're doing with the School of Public Policy on the future of municipal government. That's the one that uh, Councillor Good is looking to possibly speak to or speak to the board about. They are hoping to have the first papers released in the next month or so. And those will come out once per month. And with them will come in a webinar for feedback, which will then be compiled, uh, discussed at next year's spring leadership conference, sent out for discussion and review for ratification in the fall of 2023 is when they're looking at making that recommendation to the province. They also tackled the issue of CAOs. Uh, CAO turnover is a normal and expected part of the government's process as councils and personalities and priorities shift, but they are discovering that there are some concerns, uh, finding people that are qualified it's a very broad skill set, set and identifying somebody with the correct background, uh, particularly with experience and knowledge of the municipal process, which is quite different from the corporate process. So CAO recruiting is becoming an issue, particularly with reti retirements that are coming on. Uh, job descriptions and salaries. They're finding a, sometimes there's a mismatch between the two. Uh, limited pool of candidates and not necessarily growing. Uh, high CAO turnover is a factor that is considered in viability reviews. So that is a concern. It's a reflection on the overall stability of government. So that is something that they look at. And like any other market and labor force trend in the great resignation, they're seeing the same pressures being put on the CAOs, uh, working conditions, uh, population shifts, relocations. So it's a scarcer and it, I think in some ways they think it might be a, a choosier market. So they're hoping to have this report out later this year for first draft and then uh, final issue uh, in winter of 2022. Uh, organizational culture. This was more of an informational, um, it's Anyone who's taken organizational behavior will recognize some of these um, leadership. Uh, they did talk about making uh, leaders having to make the hard decision that just because somebody is effective and good at their job, if they're negative in other ways, then what is better for the organization? Um, neutral is negative. They borrowed this from the keynote speaker. So basically if you have someone who sits there, comes in, does their work, does only their work, doesn't interact, doesn't provide any feedback or input to their colleagues, they are receiving, they're not contributing to the organization. It's a net negative. So they, that was a, a trend to be alert. And the very astute point that when it comes to organizational culture, uh, your culture is essentially what is the lowest that you will accept in terms of behavior. So you might say we have a great culture, but if you have someone with poor behavior that you allow to continue, this is in fact your organizational culture. 
Well, yeah, and just some good advice on looking for how people contribute to a particular policy or rather how they might contribute. Um, psychological safety was a key point uh, because that's something that employees are looking for is uh, where it's okay to make a mistake. And when employees feel safe and morale is high, they are more effective. So quite a material, a bit of material that tied all this together, just in terms of general things to think about on the leadership side. Thanks, Ms. McClegg. Uh, so the last three sessions I attended, uh, as well as uh, one of the sessions was with the Assistant Deputy Minister Sandberg uh, with Municipal Affairs. And basically the presentations kind of went over the MSI formula and where that's headed uh, with the new local government fiscal framework and the funding levels that we can intend to see uh, going forward on that. So right now MSI uh, currently disperses 405 million province wide but the LGFF will disperse 383 million to Edmonton and then 340 million to the rest of the province uh, as that comes into effect in 23-24. Uh, talked a little bit about the, the gas tax, which uh, expires in 2023-24 uh, and funding is expected to be stable for the duration of the program at 391,000. In the uh, Local Authorities Election Act, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, there's some currently a review and it's out for stakeholder and public engagement in summer and fall 2022. And part of the things I'll be looking at is items think, such as uh, candidate eligibility. Uh, kind of looked at uh, the, the last election and trying to determine, you know, uh, is there a better way to assure some good quality candidates uh, uh, come on for, for mayor and council? So they're looking at some uh, eligibility items that uh, might come out in future. So that'll be part of the stakeholder and public engagement this year. And then uh, privacy with respect to voters lists. Uh, some issues with uh, some voters lists uh, getting out to, into the public and being used in various aspects. So there's some concerns around that. Uh, look at the code of conduct requirement based on feedback from Alberta municipalities and RMA that the requirement for the code of conduct remains, but the content is under review. And then we had a short presentation on uh, with AMA with a brief discussion of the hazard season forecast. And generally they said it's gonna be dry in the south and cold and humid in the north end of the province uh, this summer. So also looked at the Alberta emergency plan is under review with, but they expect uh, sign off uh, with the minister expected at the end of the month. Uh, then another session was uh, on legal trends that I attended and basically uh, the focus was on policy development, especially around employee safety and performance expectations for remote and partly remote employees, and which is a growing trend and uh, kind of brought back that presentation back for our HR staff to have a look at, to see if there's any nuggets that we can include in our policies uh, 
as we uh, expect that we'll still have to kind of deal with uh, the working from home aspect uh, for certain positions for uh, the next little while. And part, part of the realization too, is that some of our employees want the option to have uh, the work from home option, not all the time, but uh, occasionally they would like uh, the ability to do that. So there's some uh, good nuggets in that presentation that would reflect how we go about that and some of the things that we need to consider should we uh, move in that direction. Uh, also on contracts, uh, kind of just touched base on con a little bit of contract law and basically the messages that uh, came out of that one we're just making sure that your contracts use plain language where possible and then be clear and concise. Uh, human resource management and unionized environment attended that workshop. And uh, basically the, the takeaways from that one, we're just looking at uh, the upcoming collective agreements where they're heading to and just uh, emphasizing that uh, the union's a third party and doesn't erase the fact that we are the staff's employer. And it's basically how do we work on that when we're looking at collective agreements. Uh, organizational risk in the fire department. I do you want me to take this one? I wasn't yes, this one. Please. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this was by the uh, fellow named Kevin Jess. He's the former Alberta fire commissioner. So he has a, a long history uh, with fire departments in their various iterations. He gave uh, some food for thought. Uh, his statement is that in his experience, aside from the relationship between a CAO and council, the relationship between council and the fire department can be the next most challenging one. Uh, the inference was that in some municipalities, they didn't do a good job of integrating the fire department within the organizational structure. Um, fortunately, as I listened to his do nots, um, we seem to be in very good shape in terms of that. We have uh, our staff are reg recognized as casual members. They're fully integrated, included in all the management discussions. So um, I think we get a, a nod for that one. Uh, we apparently are following good practice in this area, especially in terms of risk management and making sure that the credentials and training are up to date and done appropriately. Um, the last one is, um, and this was going to come to council in a briefing note. Uh, the closing keynote was a gentleman named Chris Cook. He is a farmer from Nanton, Alberta, who for reasons that nobody's quite sure was born without arms or legs. Uh, the link to his website is there. He works as, an, as a traveler, uh, an inspirational speaker, and um, wherever he can, he works as a farmer. He did make a presentation uh, to RMA as also, and uh, Northern Sunrise County uh, floated the idea they're going to approach the other municipalities of inviting him to come and speak uh, to the school divisions in the fall. They would, they wanted to see about getting the community municipalities on board first, and then they would approach the school division to see if this is possible. Um, it, there is a fairly significant cost involved though. He, this gentleman is $7,500 a day 
um, and we would have to there would have to be arrangements to get him from uh, Grand Prairie. He can drive a combine, but he can't legally drive a car. <laughs> Was he here before? Oh, okay. All right. So. Um, Yes, uh, he said that when he was born, his uh, parents said it's a boy, but he was born without arms and legs. And his grandmother said, well, Bruce never finished anything he started anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but again, that's a cost for council to consider. Um, so if council wishes that's something that could be brought forward uh, at another time or as a budgetary item. So, but yes, I think that uh, we got brought some, it was, we found, I found it very worthwhile um, in terms of staff and professional development. And I think it was good value for the municipality. We've, there's a lot that we can bring back and implement. Well, it sounds like it was a very interesting conference with lots of material and uh, thinking to do as a result. Um, counselors, any questions? With respect to the report, we should look on the screen too. Councillor Boychuk. Yes, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Jim. Uh, excellent report, and and I see many many ideas coming from this. So, how do we go about implementing some of these? Do the here we back to that question again of. So I think uh, what would happen on this if there were particular issues uh, or items that uh, are evolving out of this, uh, administration could bring those uh, back to council for uh, some direction. Uh, and we could definitely do that uh, for the next uh, GMP. Are there particular items that council wanted to bring back? Uh, obviously, some of this is strictly for informational purposes, but. I liked your government changing roles in the government GMP meetings, just to give everybody a different viewpoint and, and allow Madam Mayor to sit back and have that. I like that because it's, and um, I, I just reading Chris's reviews here and it says we should not hire him because it says, uh, if you plan the same event, bring Chris in and then retire because that will be the pinnacle of your career. So I, I'm not ready to reach my pinnacle just right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think Councillor Boychek is suggesting that uh, staff bring back a, um, a briefing note on procedural bylaw. Um, are there other topics that councillors would like to uh, direct admin to Deputy Mayor? Just around that procedural bylaw thing, that could be, be, be th that could be something that's done in conjunction with that code of conduct thing we're looking at, and those recommendations of not having overlap between the two and that kind of thing. So. If we want to, you know, chew up the the long days of summer, uh, that might be a, a fun activity. You have no GNPs in July and August, Councillor. So, well, maybe we need to bring. Them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will be in Scotland, Councillor. <laughs> so uh, I don't believe I will remote in from the loch. <laughs> Um, so at, at some point, uh, I guess in the next few months, uh, that would be the suggestion. Um, procedural bylaw, code of conduct. Um, some of these in here are kind of upcoming information items. So I would think that they would happen. Um, is, I guess is, any 
any uh, policies and stuff that we look at, we could look at the plain language where possible in that and those kind of things as well. Councillor Boycha. Um, I, I love the, I think the way of the future is a hybrid workplace. So is there an appetite for that here? And and in your guys' workshop, were people taking cuts and pay to work from home, do you know, or how that was working out for them? And, and if there was any kind of employee satisfaction surveys, whether they enjoyed it or, or missed it or uh, along that sure. line? There was definitely some comment on staff wanting to stay working from home and uh, employers trying to provide incentive to uh, get staff to come back into the office. You know, aka, hey, there are donuts here. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, there were some other interesting items that fell out of that. Things like, you know, uh, health and safety, you know, need to be able to look at the person's uh, where they're setting up uh, in their office at, if they're working at home to make sure that there are no health and safety issues because now it becomes part of their workplace. So, so it, the ergonomics can become an expense of the uh, office kind yeah. of thing? So there's a whole bunch of little things that you, you never really thought of, and I don't think we ever thought of them uh, as we moved into that uh, that hybrid model with COVID. But as we get more into it, you know, these issues are starting to come up. For example, if you're working from home, but you have to come into the office for an in-person meeting on that day, is that travel? Because you're not at your workplace, you have to travel to it. Well, and I guess ultimately it does depend upon what is in the best interests of the organization, you know. And they did state that it can have an impact on council's vision. And then right. some positions obviously cannot work from home. So then how do you develop equity amongst the staff and provide a similar benefit or perceived benefit to your other staff? And there could be costs to that. So it's a very complex issue and there's a lot to think about. Well, just speaking from our experience of all the online meetings, there was a lot of convenience around not traveling and everything like that, but there was certainly a, you know, a loss of touch that was very perceptible and, and I, I believe a loss of efficacy overall as a result. So that's, that's anecdotal. That's just, you know, from my perception, others may have different, but that was, that was definitely what, what I felt quite acutely. I guess the the last uh, item there um, with respect to County of Northern Sunrise um, request, uh, would we be getting a briefing note on that as a natural course of things or would we? Um... We could certainly do that. The bulk of the information is here, but if council wishes, we could do a formal request for decision uh, at, for the next council meeting. Uh, one of the this that was the intent in any case, but this came up beforehand. Uh, I did put it on this tonight because I knew there were budget deliberations and this would be a budgetary item. So, yeah, so it's probably at least a couple of thousand dollars for Peace River to share in that. So um, I don't know what's council's thought. Uh, directing uh, admin to bring a briefing note back to us on this matter, or uh, we decide right now, um, look at Do it in the budget context or? Can, may I clarify, is there, I have a 
a motion on the table from Councillor Boychok to bring back a review of the Code of Conduct and Procedural Bylaw. Did yeah, I, I misrecord that or? No, I think you've got it. And then uh, the mayor stepped in and said, uh, and, and. <laughs> so I'm still on the and, and in case he's going to change his motion slightly. <laughs> We could, do, we, we could do this in more than one motion, potentially, if there's yeah. a few things going on, I think that would make sense. Well, maybe let's uh, do the first two then, or the first one. So Councillor Boychek has put forth a motion to direct admin to bring a, a briefing note back to Council on um, looking at the procedural bylaw and code of conduct is in there as well. Well, I, I, I propose the code of conduct, so I, I guess this would be a, an opportunity for, for me to request a addendum to that motion, or? Um, I did record it uh, as a collaborative motion, if that's okay with Councillor Boychek. Only if it's okay with Councillor Boychek. Okay. Okay. Seems to be okay with Councillor Boychek. <laughs> um, so we have that motion in front of us. Um, uh, everyone's clear on the motion? Anybody not has to speak up. Okay, all those in favor of that motion? Uh, okay, I got them all. Okay, nobody opposed, it is so carried. Any further um, ideas about uh, directions for admin? After well, just with this Chris Cook presentation, I do recall him coming to TA Norris in my earlier years there. It was, I do have to say, one of the more memorable and excellent school presentations that we've had. Not quite as fun as Dancing with Hoja, but nonetheless, that's the acapella guys, just for those of you that aren't aware. Yeah? Okay, good. Um, off topic. Now, my question is, is it, it says the cost is $7,500 per day. I don't know... How do I put a number on this is my concern. I would suggest that maybe you don't put a number on it and you just ask for a briefing note back and admin might be able to clarify some numbers. My only concern is this is a budgetary item and today seems to be kind of D-Day mm -hmm. for that. Uh, Mr. So, Cook lives in Kelowna. He doesn't charge for travel from Kelowna. So to... Uh, Grand Prairie, we would strictly be responsible for, or the organizing group would be responsible for getting them from Grand Prairie. So one to two days at the most, depending on how many speaking engagements, if he visited both school divisions, for example. And how many people are, would be splitting this cost? It sees, I see NSC on the list. Are there others that are going to be taking a piece out of this? Or am I, you know? They said, and our neighbors. So presumably f up to four, I would guesstimate. Council could cap it. One thing that I've potentially remembered about some other situations is if we set an amount first and say we're in for this much, then it's usually the last guy in that has to kind of pick up the rest, if you know what I'm saying. If you've ever shared drinks around a table, you know, and everyone chucks 20 and the guy that takes it up to the counter kind of has to make up what's left over. I wonder if we wouldn't just go in for say a half a day ourselves and then that would leave it up to our neighbors to, and if, look, if they don't want to go in, then then we wouldn't do nothing. You do half a day. Well, I would take 7,500 and divide it by two. 7,500 plus travel, plus perhaps a night or two of accommodation. So it's up to 10,000. That, that includes his accommodation. 
does it. Okay, yeah. Councillor Shannon. We're broke. I don't. I just can't see entertaining a, a thought like that right now when we have a. We're faced with a possible 4.7 tax increase. I'm not sure what anybody else thinks, but I think that's a want and that's an extra right now. And I I wouldn't support uh, that. I'm afraid. Okay. Um, further discussion, Deputy. Okay, so um, uh, Council Boychuk, your your hand is up, is it? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do agree. I do agree with Council Shannon. But I, um, these things here, I, I took some kids to see a gold medal paralegic champion. I can maybe ten years ago, and I'm I still touched by that. And so, I would like to. Uh, maybe connect with Northern Sunrise, maybe look at a fundraiser that we could do and host this guy for our whole community so we could raise enough money, hopefully, to get him and, and get grants. Because I see grant opportunity after grant opportunity for this um, through the some of the programs I'm in. So if you give me a week or two to to look into that um, or connect with them, I'm, I've, I could see it very doable to have a very good evening supper for our community at a $100 a plate to cover all costs for that and uh, send them to every single school in town at the same time and get five, 6,000 people seeing this guy. You know, like I, I think it's doable because I saw the once review, 14,000 people seen him and five months later, they're still talking to him. So I think this would be amazing to fill uh, the pay tax or something cool like that or something and, and bring this guy to our community because obviously he touches people's hearts. So I'd be willing to do that. I'm pretty sure I could get some grant money and, um, or, or and or raise the money to cover all costs on this. Are you speaking grant money on behalf of the town or behalf of a different thing? Whatever. I just see some grants that we can apply to bring this guy in, whether Northern Sunrise applies through them or we apply or I, whoever, but I, I can connect. The, these things are, are very impactful, especially for youth and um, they change kids' lives. So there's a lot of, there's some money out there. And I don't know if a lot of people look at that opportunity because it's usually short, real quick to get that done. But uh, there are some quick grants as well. And Maybe Northern Sunrise would be the um, lead on that. Councillor Shannon? I agree, Mark. Um, I've actually seen him, and uh, it was an excellent, excellent presentation. I agree, but I just agree it should, it, the, we should be raising the money, and I would help you with that 100% if you wanted um, any help putting together a fundraiser to bring them to town. I would be more than happy for that. And I do believe there's a place for it. Absolutely. So in helping the administration go further or, or so on with this, um, we should perhaps have a, a motion that would um, say something. <laughs> I don't know that there's direction for admin on this at the present time, it would seem. So um, I have no, I, in, in other words, I have no motion. Yeah. So the thing is, though, if uh, Councillor Boychuk is to go forth and as a town of Peace River councillor and be asking for things or whatever, we, we should be clear that council is in support of uh, that idea or or not, I would think. Councillor Ford. Yeah, also. Um... I, I agree with Shelley and uh, and Mark. 
if you if you can raise some money, that's that's one thing. But uh, and just on a side note too, there's uh, a group out of Edmonton, Edmonton or Red Deer. They're called uh, Alberta Seventh Step, and uh, they do provide uh, motivational speakers just like this this gentleman here, but at no cost. And they do school presentations and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure if uh, if that's something that uh, this group might want to take on as a as a speaker throughout the province, and then they could provide that speaker to the uh, to areas that would like to see him at a zero cost. Um, maybe, maybe Councillor Boychuk could report back to Council after he's investigated a bit. Does that fit? Okay, so would someone uh, move to um, uh, Councillor Good? Um, I'd like to make a motion to support Councillor Boychuk um, investigating on Council's behalf the possibilities to see this gentleman come and to look for the things that, I don't know how to word it exactly, but I think that's it. Uh, uh, support Councillor Boychuk in investigating, seeing if we can make this happen. And reporting back to council. And reporting back to council. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Good. Um, okay, would everyone be clear on that, the motion and its intent? Okay, um, all those in favor of the motion. Um, any opposed? Nope. It is carried. So, Councillor Boychuk, you have uh, a mission there. I've got the grant application in front of me right now. So okay, the first okay. one I'm going to fill out. So uh, I'm okay. on it. <laughs> now, now you're now you're going to redirect your your thoughts here. Um, anything further on this report? <laughs> okay. Uh, what I would like to do then is I want to skip very quickly to um, the addition to the agenda and then come back to the uh, operating and capital budget discussion after a, a 10 minute break. So first of all, though, um, the addition, the town of Peace River, um, let's see, Northern Sunrise ICF annual report to council. Uh, that was um, added to our agenda. Does anyone have any um, questions or perhaps a motion to accept for information? I've lost where it is here. I'm looking, at, it's very straightforward. It's a very concise document here. It, it seems- Move acceptance for information? Yes, I'll move acceptance. Okay, thank you, Deputy Mayor. Any further questions, discussion, councillors? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Thank you very much. It is carried. Okay, now I think we should have a 10 minute break. So we would be back here at about uh, 12 after, um, no, no, 12, 17 after 7. 717. Okay, so I think we're we're back in session. Do we have everybody here? Um, Councillor Ford, are you are you here? 
Where'd he go? Yep. Okay, and Councillor Goods here. Anybody else in the room? Okay. Okay, so um, we are at um, the request for decision on the 2022 operating and capital budgets. And I believe Director Webstale, is he here? Oh, there he is, um, is going to um, lead us through. And I have some general comments too. So Director Webstale. Thank you, Your Worship. I'm joining you live this evening from Edmonton. And just saying that makes me feel like a minor celebrity. So this is exciting times for me. I'll be just walking council through a request for decision as prepared by administration. Much of it will be information that you may have already seen already. Some of it will be a little bit new towards the end. So I'll just maybe touch on some of the highlights and then spend more time on the options towards the end of that request for decision. So just walking through it in the background there, it just talks about what administration has previously presented to council. Uh, basically a balanced budget proposing a 4.7% increase and then some of the following basis the assumptions in there moving to a full cost recovery on everything water over two years increased increasing the solar waste charge and then a, a one-time levy over six months of the shortfall with the, the Peace Regional Waste Management Commission. Beneath that there's a capital budget of approximately 7.2 million that council has seen and already approved two of the time sensitive topics. A little bit of backup here on the solid waste, specifically what the shortfall was and the plans to address it. On the following page, the water, wastewater and storm rates and the discussion has already been had around that. And then a proposal to do the fixed rate offset over two years. And that chart just showing what that looks like. The page after that, showing just some sample residential utility rates in 2022 and again in 2023 after the one-time levy over six months has been taken off. The page after that showing this uh, fairly large table showing the user types of uh, utilities within the town of Peace River by type and what the, the average, if you will, charge in each of the next, in the, the current year into the next year by user type. And then the page after that goes into the options and I'll maybe spend the most time here. So I'll present first option one, that council would approve the operating budget in the amount of the $29.5 million. The council would approve a 22 capital budget in the amount of about $7.2 million. The solid waste charge would be set at $19 from 17, the effective July 1st of this current year, that the one-time levy of the $29 per month for six months would be implemented in July, and that the full cost recovery of the water rates be phased in over two years beginning July 1st of this year. Some of the advantages of that, and I think perhaps the key one here I'd like to highlight for council is maintaining existing service levels. Administration has worked very diligently to to preserve the levels wherever we can and this is what this budget allows for and it accommodates some very much external costs of inflation and rcmp and the waste management charges and i'll go into that in a little bit more detail here shortly the disadvantage is a tax increase for residents businesses all property owners within the town 
and the financial implications being that it, it does give us some stable funding going forward on a water-related infrastructure. And it reduces the, the pressure, if you will, on the tax base to sustain and carry the utilities within the town. Moving into option two, the council would give additional direction regarding what that final budget might look like. The advantage being it, it allows for additional consideration by council, more input, more discussion. Disadvantages, potentially some delays in setting the utility tax rates. And it's not listed here, but it would be a reality is that some services to be determined by council would be reduced or some programs potentially ended. And in a bit of uncertainty, some delays on the capital projects and financial implications to, I guess, be determined by council within this discussion. And then right below that, the recommendations, which are very much just a repeat of option one. I'd like to take a moment and just segue. I'm thinking that um, Mrs. McCoy may have passed out a, a pie chart, a briefing note to each of you in the council and email those that are not present. I just want to confirm that you, you folks have that. And then I'm just going to open up my version here so that I also have it. Bear with me one minute. Would you like me to screen share that document, Director? Please, Ms. Craig, that, that would be great. Perfect. So what this is, is a briefing note that administration has been investigating, working on, and much credit has to be given to Ms. Bouchard, as her and I were preparing for the trade show, just trying to identify visual identifiers or easy ways to visualize where the tax dollars are going on average home. And we prepared this pie chart. It's a composition of various departments, some rolled together, some highlighted, just showing where the tax dollars are, are going on an average residential tax levy. And one of the things that really stood out to us as we prepared it and I don't know if it's, it's an interesting aside at any rate, in the contracted costs that council has seen on a per line basis, you're seeing an increase of about, I think somewhere in the neighborhood, about a million dollars in the 22 fiscal year. About $400,000 of that is just the federally mandated retroactive back pay with the RCMP and some laboratory work costs being billed to the town of Peace River. That alone is about, I'm, I'm, it's a rough number here, about a 4% tax increase of the 4.2 that we are proposing in the budget. And it's just, it's kind of an interesting number how closely that came in there. And it's just an example of, I guess, many of the pressures that we faced in this fiscal year, this perhaps being one of the bigger ones. So moving down from that there, I just wanted to just illustrate here, here's a little graph what it looks like there. <laughs> Thanks, Mrs. Clay. And just, you can see some of the items that we've highlighted, the rough percentages they make up again on the average residential bill. And you kind of get a sense of where the funds are going on a net tax basis. Maybe if we can just move down to the second page. 
Council has had several discussions on what could be perhaps easily removed in terms of services within the community. And this is a difficult conversation. What, what could come out without adversely impacting some of the strategies and goals that we've heard council express in prior meetings? And what could be administratively simple, I guess, without too much complexity of commitments already made. And so these are just five items that have been presented for consideration. What sort of things are remaining within these line items and the tax reduction amount that it would mean if they were implemented. And as you can see here, if every one of these was implemented, and I'm not suggesting that all of them, but, but this is an example of how you might come to a tax increase of about a 0.6%. There are certainly other programs. There's other things that the Town of Peace River is doing that could be considered. These just happen to be five that have been proposed that maybe might be simpler than some to implement. I guess your worship at this point, I might just turn this discussion over to you for discussion. Okay, thank you. Um, well, well, we've, we've spent, um, whether we realized it or not, about four months uh, dealing with the budget in some form or another. Okay, how's that? Good? Okay, um, so we spent about four months uh, at least uh, dealing with the budget to this point in time. Um, and and we're, we are at the, we're at the deadline. So basically tonight we have to get our thoughts together and make decisions. Um, I note that admin, uh, as indicated here, 1.5 million has already been cut. Um, from the initially proposed budget. And I would also uh, suggest that a large part of that 1.5 million is just costs that are put off to another year that sooner or later we're gonna have to face because they're not uh, frivolous, they're needed infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. So sooner or later, we're gonna get to that. Uh, and point out again, what is inflation this year? Somebody tell me. What's inflation estimated at? Five point something percent. Five point something percent. So anything really, and I'll be a little devil's advocate here, anything less than 5%, we're already having cut services. Um, the other cut that has happened is prices have increased on a lot of the materials that are used in these capital projects anyhow. And so therefore we're not getting as much done for our dollar as we would have in a year with lesser inf inflation. Um, that does not mean that on the operating side that costs won't go up because we haven't replaced something on the capital side. So there's a balancing act there. Um, also like to um, point out that I think, as I remember strategic plan, we're looking at Peace River as the future um, 
of northern Alberta in terms of our urban center, etc. We haven't totally fleshed out our thoughts on that one, but we're also looking at economic development and economic development to a large extent means what brings people to Peace River and hopefully some to continue to live in Peace River or at least establish their homes here. That sort of thing in the end leads to a better economic um, viability for our town and yes it affects tax rates and stuff so we have to do a few few things perhaps in order to uh, do that enticing uh, tourism is one of the ones that uh, brings visitors to town i know there's different uh, thought patterns on the well the easy ones are the murals and stuff like that i get lots of people saying we like the murals there's something to look at etc etc so different views on those. This year, that hit with the $400,000 in extra RCMP costs is a, a big whammy for a town of our size. We can't do anything about it. We have to pay for it. Hopefully, um, we won't be facing that much of an increase next year in our RCMP costs, but costs will go up. They get paid differently year to year. Things change. So, we are looking at that no matter what we do. And the other thing is allocations from the province. Um, we know that MSI is also going to be at a low rate next year. They've told us that because they gave us uh, a little more money last year, but that was really money that uh, was coming to us this year anyhow under the plan. Uh, sooner or later in the future, we're going to be looking at these um, a different way of uh, getting grants from the province other than um, MSI, which is basically population as I understand it. Both AM and RMA are being asked or taken it upon themselves to look at um, templates for how that money might be rolled out in the future. And there's nothing saying that it would be the same way as MSI is. So that is something we also don't know about in the future that might hit us in another year like the RCMP costs are hitting us this year. So um, the other thing that we, we are pretty sure that we're getting is the um, uh, allocation from the provincial government for the um, uh, our, uh, high level uh, fires when uh, people temporarily located here. Uh, we understand that that's probably around $500,000 that will be coming into our um, uh, budget revenue at some point in time, which uh, I don't think is in there right now. But anyways, those are some of my comments and you know, it's our reality and we're gonna to have to make some hard decisions. At the same time, we want to keep our town um, livable. Uh, livable sometimes means the person saying to you, well, um, thank goodness you have parks and you're keeping your parks up because that's free to me to use for myself and my kids. Um, sometimes it's saying, well, okay, the pool is gonna be operating seven days a week. Uh, we know on the town side, that it really doesn't make sense to have it operate on five days a week because the costs are going to be about the same and you're losing two days of revenue in a, in many ways and the same could be said of the baytex center so uh, another thing i'll throw into this ball of wax sooner or later we're going to have to face our reality with respect to the ski hill and that area and what's going on there 
Um, we've got in uh, capital next year, the year following, uh, some money set as well, some plan spending, spending for the uh, pumps and that sort of thing, which in no way brings that uh, area to its full um, usage in terms of its needs for its infrastructure. So what I'm getting around to now is going to start asking councillors um, some thoughts on this. And I'm going to start with the two who are at remote locations today. So uh, Councillor Good, any thoughts on what to do and uh, go forth with respect to the budget? Yeah, you know, I've got some thoughts. Um, I think <coughs> I think there's a couple of things that everyone should be aware of. That's counselors. That's people who will be listening to this broadcast later. It's people who may be um, aware of what's going on in council or becoming aware of what's going on in council in our budget talks. And one, one really important fact is that the majority of people on this council great number of people, can't say a majority, the great number of people on this council, on this council are residents and homeowners of Peace River. Anything that occurs in the taxes, <coughs> you'll have to forgive me, I've been sick all week. Um, anything that occurs tax-wise to any other citizen of the town of Peace River happens equally to us. We are not immune to its effects. We are not excluded from its effects. We are not rewarded for its effects. And I think that that's something that's overlooked. Um, a lot of us either are, I use the word a lot, a number of us either were or are business owners in the town of Peace River. And again, we're aware of the effects of taxation on business. Personally, I had a business in the town for 20 years. I know the effects of taxation. So it's, again, I just want to point out that we're not immune to that. Secondly, you know, um, um, Mr. Websdale talked about deferring the projects that we've deferred roughly to the tune of one and a half million dollars. These are projects that are desirable, beneficial for our town, and in many cases will be needed, not just desired in the foreseeable future. These are not pipe dreams or they're not just wishes. And that's an awful lot of money. Um, I think one of the questions I'd like to have answered before I give my next point is, um, Mr. Websdale, roughly how much was um, our loss in grants and lieu? Do you know that number remotely, even in a ballpark? Councillor Good, I hesitate to say because I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm just operating on some printouts here in Edmonton. Okay, um, I I understand. Um, is there any of our other administration that would have an idea of those numbers? I'll leave it at this. It's not inconsequential. Um, our loss at MSI grants is not inconsequential. Those are things that are being downloaded on us. And I'm not being critical of the provincial government when I say that, because they have needs and they have expenses and they have bills that have to be paid. But we've sat there and deferred, well, $400,000 of our 4.7 of our 4% increase, 4.7% increase, 4% of that is covered by the RCMP increase alone. One number. 
means that everything we did to achieve a 0% budget was undone by one factor from the outside. Add the other factors, and you're seeing what would have been, I think, a substantial increase that has been mitigated by the activities and the actions of council. But <coughs> I have a suggestion to make. You know, I was trying to think of ways about how do you share the load? And one of the things that I think we could do, and if you want a motion of this effect, I'd be happy to make it. You talked to uh, Mayor Manzer about the money that we have that is owed to us by the provincial government. They've acknowledged that amount of money. The only thing is we kind of can't count on it until it comes. Because it's, it's sort of mad, it's sort of invisible money until then. What I'd like to propose is that we take a minimum of half of that. And I'd say if it's 500,000, put 2.5. 250,000 of that, make a motion to direct that right away to the tax increase. That would cut the taxes down from 4.7 to, am I correct, 2.2, Mr. Websdale? To a In that two ballpark. Point, sorry? In that ballpark, Councillor Good, yes. In that ballpark, around 2.2. And in my motion to do that, I would also um, include that I would like to um, write a letter to our MLA and to the provincial government asking them to expedite the payment of those funds to assist us in mitigating the impact of what I think is under most circumstances already a pretty justifiable budget, especially since we're delaying one and a half million dollars of projects that are going to become due. These are not things we can we can get rid of. One of the things I think that was deferred was the, a large part of the infrastructure renewal. Am I correct on that? From that so the, in more detail than I can. Yeah, so the infrastructure renewal was one of the ones that was going ahead, but there were several other uh, recreation projects that were being deferred okay. uh, until 2023. Right, and they're going to come due. And they're going to, there are things that are important, like one of the, you know, I think that people think you can put this off forever and never, never land. That's what's been happening for years and years. And as I've said before, and I'll say this, people can point out a little, point out things here and there where they would prefer the money being spent one place or another. Not only recognize it, I hope they understand that we hear those things too, and that they matter to us. But overall, and this has been a keystone of things I've said in the past. I don't believe the town of Peace River overall has had a spending problem. I believe that we have a revenue problem. One of the questions I'd like to ask our director of finance, Mr. Websdale, do you, in a simple, simple question to me, in the funding that we're allowing to our infrastructure right now, are we funding our infrastructure in a man manner that if we continue to do so, will be sustainable in the future. A greatly simplified answer, Councillor Good, would be no. I'm just flipping ahead a couple of pages to look at the capital budget. In this budget that we're presenting, it takes on another 2.1 million in debt. 
Right. So even it's, if we do what we're doing to cut things back, we're decreasing our sustainability as a municipality. So rather than cut a whole bunch of stuff right now, I'd propose one, the motion that I'm making, which is to take two, two $250,000 of that money and lower the taxes immediately to around 2.2%. Um, I think that's one of the first things we should do. And I think also it should be recognized that one of the things that council has discussed is that we want to, <coughs> excuse me, Mayor Manzer, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is begin the budget process very, very early in the year very, very early compared to how we've done it in the past. That would be my hope. Of, that would okay. be my hope. Okay, I've heard a lot of comments from Councillor Boychuk, um, Councillor Shannon, I'm having a hard time right now because I've been sick all week, Councillor Carr, very well thought out and very considered ideas and aims that they would have and that they have, they don't have the confidence, I'm not going to word it that way. They would like us to take potentially a closer, more detailed look at the few, at our, at our budget and our budgeting process. I think that those comments are valid. I'd like to see that that process of, of beginning our budget pro, budget process earlier and also um, maybe increasing the amount of information we get out over the year as to how we're handling our budget um, and how the decisions that we're making are made so that people get maybe a better idea of some of the compromises and things that we're already doing to address the budgetary concerns. So I'd like to have that as a, a recorded, to have that as a motion um, to take that $250,000 at a minimum of that $500,000 and apply it to the taxes, which would lower them to 2.2%. And I'd like my other comments sort of not recorded for the record, they're part of the, the recording, but to have some of the thoughts around them go forward in the future to our budget deliberations. Thank you very much. Okay, well, um, so we have a motion. And the motion is to um, take half of the allocation from the, um, what is it called? Um, it would be the fire yeah. reimbursement. There we go. Okay. Take, so Mr. Good, take half the money from the fire reimbursement, approximately 250000 and direct that to the operating, to be used in the operating revenue, which then reduces the taxes to, um, it reduces the taxes. Yeah, and Possibly. I mean, that's not my first choice. I mean, my first choice would be to allocate that money to something to our future needs. I mean, I'd love to be able to put it in reserves, but <clears throat> as has been correctly pointed out by a number of councillors over the year, over the time we've been dealing with the budget. The increases right now, especially coming out of two years of COVID are, are really painful for a lot of our citizens. And we have an opportunity to mitigate that. So that's my thoughts. Um, okay. So the only adjustment to the motion, if instead of the fire reimbursement, the DRP 
uh, program reimbursement? Disaster recovery, DR. Disaster. I'm, fine yeah, disaster. I'm fine with that. Okay. Just so we're specific. Um, okay, so uh, councillors, discussion on this motion that is before us. Yes, please. Um, I, I, I think I share the wish of putting it on to a capital reserve if that's possible. However, it seems uh, maybe this is a compromise that could get us uh, get us uh, rolling on on our budget and get things things figured out. I was able to attend the trade show over the weekend, and uh, I spoke to a lot of people, and no no one no one brought up. I, I brought up the tax rate more than anyone brought it up to me. In fact, no one brought it up to me, and uh, even at this is at the time our proposal of four point seven percent. Made sense to a lot of people uh, that 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 we that I did discuss it with, and no one said that's too high or anything like that. Um, I think if we take into account the increases to the water rates and that one-time, hopefully, uh, increase on the garbage rate and that kind of thing, those are those are substantial increases in their own right. Um, I did speak to a number of people about the water rate and those changes to our water. Uh, model that we're looking at doing the full cost recovery um, and yeah people agreed it's it's important that, that utility go to full cost recovery um, and th th that that is a larger cost of living increase than than even the, the our, what our tax rate is looking at when you look at the raw the raw numbers so I think um, you know putting it all together I think if we can make this move and perhaps expedite those funds if possible uh, to go to 2.2 on the tax rate that that would be a very reasonable compromise and I'll, I'll add something else to the conversation just about myself when I first started teaching math I'm not a real math teacher so maybe I shouldn't say this into a hot mic but uh, the last time I took any math was in grade 12 and I didn't do all that well at it but anyways I did pass and that's all you need to know about that um, when I first started teaching math it, in a lot of regards I was a better math teacher because I was kind of learning along with the kids in in many ways and I was almost better at explaining things and I found uh, perhaps a similar thing in myself this time around this budget cycle in that because I'm familiar with doing this for a time, I, in a lot of ways, I was probably a better counselor um, and a better co-worker and a better um, communicator around these types of things earlier on in, in my, well, it's not been a long municipal career, just because um, of my assumed familiarity that I have now. So. Uh, to my coworkers, appreciate the questions the whole time, and and your desire to get to the bottom of everything. And it's been it's been a learning thing for me, and it's uh, and it's been uh, something that um, that I've that I see is is very valuable that I've forgotten over a, a couple of years. So thank you to that. Okay, thank you, um, councillors. Further. Comments, discussions on this motion, Councillor Shannon. Sorry, I just wanted. 
that I have a couple of things I wanted to ask about here. The trail system, 75,000 under, um, where was that I seen? Uh, trail system upgrades. Oh, that's in the capital budget, right? Correct. Um, yes, I believe it was up here. Um, is that something that could be cut or I just, I'll just tell you the three things I just wanted to you to look at and see the Saddleback basketball court, 175,000, um, the trail system for 75,000 and, uh, the dog park for 15 K. I see those are still on, um, are, were those possibility to, to be cut or, or is that not something, are those things off the table? So uh, just... I recall that the basketball has already been moved to a future year and the trail system is 100% grant funded. So if we don't get the grant, yeah. we just don't do it. It wasn't that one. Okay. Richard McQuaid, do you want to comment on some of these? Because you Yeah, so the, the, the trail system upgrade 2022. So we do have that is partially grant funded with the uh, 50,000. Uh, of that being funded uh, by uh, the town and the other 25,000 being funded by grants on that one. How about the dog park and the, um, and then the other um, trail system, the one that was for 75,000? I'll just find that here. Yeah, the 75,000 was the one I was just talking oh, okay. about. The other the other uh, trail system plan, that one is is the one that, uh, as Council or uh, Deputy Mayor Scamhorn mentioned, is 100% grant funded. Uh, and then Saddleback Park was the one that was deferred uh, to uh, a future year. So I don't think we had a dog park this year. Yeah. Westside Dog Park Recreation, 15,000. That's under 2020. Oh, it's 2023. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, so this it was moved. Yep. So that's part of that uh, deferment of that 1.5 million with all those projects being deferred to a future year. If you go to the chart that says 2023 or 2024, you'll you'll see some in the plans capital projects, and I think they would have slid over there, which means they're the next year's ca uh, discussion again. That kind of thing. That's correct. Yeah. So there you can clearly see as we move from 2022 to 2023, now our capital projected for next year is 8.5. So as uh, uh, the mayor mentioned that money or those projects don't go away. They just get, they just are deferred into a future and we're just deferring those uh, expenditures to a future year as well. Uh, Councillor Shannon for the question right now or not? You're good. Okay, um, Councillor Boychuk. Um, Terry, this is for you. And and I'm looking at our water bill here. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm... Can we, like, it just, my only issue is, uh, what am I looking for, point of something. We have a motion on the floor and the water rate is kind of a different thing. No worries. So I can discuss that later. It's yeah, just, uh, it was just kind of, if we could do something there, how I would support this, this motion yeah. kind of, right? Oh. So, I see, I see. yeah, so that's just, I'm not picking away at anything here, Terry. I just like the explanation 
why we go from a variable rate from 3.3 and how did we come up the dollar? You know, and what would happen if we changed that to like a dollar and a quarter? Director McQuig, do you want to so, touch on this one? Yeah, so the way the, the water model uh, has gone and we've kind of explained that a couple of times now is basically what you're looking at is the, the fixed capital portion is attached to the actual infrastructure uh, that is supporting that. So whether it be the, the water pipes under the ground, the sanitary sewer pipes in the ground, the sewage lift stations, everything to move it from point A to point B. So that is your fixed capital cost. And uh, moving that over two years, we decide, okay, we're gonna take 50% of that and dump it into the variable cost. So the variable cost is the, the cost of actually producing the water at the water treatment plant or treating the sanitary sewer at the sanitary sewer plant or the, the wastewater treatment plant. So those are the, the variable costs that we're dealing with where the, the fixed cost is dealing with all the other fixed infrastructure in between. So, but, so, so that rate is what the cost recovery number is that's, and that's what we we agreed to do right so that's, that's why it's right. at that number so we can't that's correct without a motion we can't kind of tweak that number a little bit well, well i've done what you've asked uh, administration to do which was in year one we're going to take 50 percent of that fixed cost and put that into the variable rate and then and then on year two it moves fully into 100 percent uh fixed cost and the variable rate so the costs are kind of the same for each year. It's just the fixed cost has gone up in year two to fully be fixed. And the variable is yep. that much less like the dollar. Is it a dollar, a dollar 40 something? Well, it says a dollar 47. Oh, okay. A dollar 47 it should be. Yep. So change the dollars to a dollar 47. Just because. Because I, I, I just noticed it doesn't make much difference to residentials but it makes a pretty huge difference to our large users right so i was just yep. wondering if there was a an opportunity well, to gain a if we tweak that a little that's all that's so that's what it's doing to your residentials though is the the ones with um not very much in the way of water usage are going to face so it's just a variable number. yeah and then again, if you kind of compute it back into a variable rate, the, the, it's the same for the large users as is for the residential. It's so, just that they're, losing, they're, losing, they're using a lot more water. That's why the numbers are where they are. So Mr. McQuaig, all those dollar figures should be $1.47 on that chart. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, or? and you may be looking at an older chart because the updated chart should have said $1.47. So it's a dollar for the water and 47 cents on the wastewater side for uh, that cost, uh, for the variable cost. And then the raised rest was the fixed costs. I'm just having a okay. look at that now. So speaking to the motion again, uh, Councillor Ford, any comments? Uh, yes, Don, did you actually make the motion already or you were planning on making the motion? There is a motion on the floor from Councillor Good. Oh, okay. I, I, I was I didn't I didn't hear him actually make the motion. I know he said he wanted to. But anyway, no, that's fine. Uh, question for Jim under the recreation side, that pool hot tub project where it says demo only at 50,000. Yep. Well, are you speaking to the motion or 
I'm just not sure. Sorry? Are you speaking to the motion or is that? This will be part of the motion. I just wanted to make sure that Don had the motion on the floor because I didn't hear him make it. That's all. Yeah. So that pool hot tub project, 50,000 for demo only, is that number a little high? It, it could be, uh, but there again, not knowing what's under that hot tub, not knowing the extent of the damage or the amount of investigation that we have to do. That is why that number is the way it is. Because okay. uh, to, you know, with having that leak under there, I don't know if the whole thing is undermined. So I don't know the extent of the investigation until we get into there. Okay. So Councillor Good, your, uh, your motion actually uh, opened my eyes a little bit. I didn't that idea that you, you had there was uh, was pretty good because I was not happy with 4.7%, uh, especially with uh, with the garbage as well as the water rate going up because our citizens are going to, that's that's a huge hit to them. And uh, I kind of feel that some of them might be, could potentially lose their homes over it because they can't, uh, can't might not be able to afford that. But I really like the idea of that 250. Um, I was hoping that we could uh, get it down to something like 2%. So would you be willing to go to, uh, instead of 250, go to 300,000? I, I don't really have a problem. I don't want to use all of it because I no, think- No, understood. Because, because I think that we, we need to have some reserve for future things. But but I think your, your comment about not being comfortable, I mean, there's, I just want to really reiterate, no one is comfortable with an increase. <clears throat> None of us are happy about this. Like I say, when, when you can take 4% of that 4.7% originally proposed budget increase and, and, uh, and tie it to one factor, the federal government applying a, a back pay to the RCMP, which by the way, a lot of municipalities hardly pay anything to the RCMP. Yeah. So it hits us harder than almost than, than innumerable municipalities in Alberta. I find that kind of painful and offensive. So this, to me, this is an opportunity of getting it down. Am I, am, am I bothered by taking it to that? No, I'm not. But I don't want to go, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go any further than that because I think we need to keep some money ahead. And if, it, if this, if a 2% increase is more palatable to everybody and it helps us not cut further and not put more things off and not put more pain into the future, I'm good with it. Okay. Yeah, no, I would be very, very comfortable with, uh, with going to, to 300 and get that number down a little bit. And I, I would be fine with that then. I'll but take that as a friendly that idea that uh, that's I'll one. I'll take that as a friendly idea. amendment. So, so you, you, the friendly amendment, Mrs. McQuaig, I'm hearing is uh, to go to 300,000. Would you like me to restate the motion? To get us yes, to yes, please. Uh, Councillor Good moved to have $300,000 of the expected $500,000 in DRP reimbursement uh, directed to operating revenue to reduce taxes by 3%. Uh, 
reduce the tax proposed tax increase by 3%. Well, I don't know, uh, Mr. Webstill, can we say 3% or is it something like, like about? <laughs> I think we just have to pick the number we're yeah. going to put in and what happens to the tax rate happens to the yeah. tax rate because the, the to motion can't the tax speak rate. to the percentage. So well, how about just to reduce it? Not, the tax rate's not determined until a number of other things fall into place, but this yeah. would give us a sort of a quantum of what we're, what we're attempting to do. Okay, so um, 300,000 of the expected 500,000 in the DRP and write the words out to reduce, to be used to reduce the tax rate. Okay, so, okay, we're getting something. Mr. Webstill, um, my last, I guess, sorry, my last question then, if uh, Councillor Good changes that motion to 300, where would that from 2.2 ballparkish? It would, that 300,000 work out to about a 2.7 decrease, leaving a, a net tax increase of around, and I use the word around carefully, 2.2%. Two point two percent at three hundred thousand. I thought it was close to two point two percent at two hundred and fifty thousand. If I take three hundred thousand and divide it by one hundred and ten, which is more accurate, about a one percent increase looks like that's about two point seven. So the four point seven minus seven point seven. You're absolutely right. Two point zero. We're in the two point zero area. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, my first question is to Mr. McQuaig. Um, you had said at a presentation a while back that the water we sell to the, the jail, and I think you said Dixonville, they pay 75% of the rate of our- uh, Under the current agreement, yes. Now, is that full recovery? Is that full cost recovery on what we sell to them or are we subsidizing that from the town side? So actually uh, they were paying more than their fair share under the, the 75% uh, okay. subsidy. So uh, under the new one, they would be paying full cost recovery on the water that they use. Okay, okay. I was just curious about that. Um, my next question is to um, Mr. Websdale. Uh, this downtown beautification, uh, 31,000. How did they come up with 31,000? Because I think it's 20,000, the just numbers I'm, I can come up off my, come with, come up with off the top of my head. There's 20,000 for the mural. There's 11,000 for the, for the utility boxes. There's 5,000 for the bike racks. Like that's just three things that I, that come off the top of my head. I'm just curious what this 31,000 would be. So that one there was, uh, when we looked at committed costs to uh, projects that we have going on within that and items that we've spent within that beautification budget to date, when we backed out of all the things that we can not spend today and, and cancel, we would probably be in that $31,000 mark. And what would those things be? Well, definitely the bike racks, uh, we could uh, access the uh, mural contract, uh, that one there, we have already signed a contract with the artist. So there would be uh, some fees owing to that. Uh, and then uh, we'd probably have to look at deferring the painting of the mural to the future year. 
uh, and there may be some costs associated with with that in, in the future and some compensation to that artist uh, for not painting it this year. So uh, took a kind of a, a, a judgment on that one. And basically I looked at it and I think I could probably safe, safely say that, you know, if we stopped beautification today, you know, we would save of that 50,000, we'll probably uh, could save 31,000 and not spend that 31,000. Can I ask, when was the contract signed for that mural? Oh, about a month ago. Okay. Um, so it would have been after the approval of the interim operating budget. Because at that time, you know, we fully anticipated uh, that going ahead. Okay. Um, next question is, is the sidewalk repairs downtown. We have money set aside for that this year, don't we? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, not the the uh, pulling of the brick. That one is deferred to next year. That was part of the cut. At that was part of the cuts in the capital program that we made. Okay, because I was down there today. Can we repair some of those? Because some of them are just dangerous. I guess you yeah. need pictures of it sent into the town site. Well, for you to... uh, we will do a certain amount of selective repairs where you know that uh, you know they're definitely a hazard. But yeah. for wholesale replacement, that that'll have to be deferred on next year, under next year's capital program. Okay, okay, thank you. Okay. So, uh, councillors, um, last time for comment before I call for a vote. Councillor Good, it was your motion. Do you want to? Um, say anything further no i just thank you very much to every to all of the other councillors for your comments your feedback on it and uh your comments on the budget thank you very much so if we vote on this is that passing the budget at the same time or are we just voting on no, okay we're just voting making sure on, on that, that increase okay. to take it yeah in order to pass all of our spending we have one two three four five motions to get all of our spending done tonight. If I'm looking at the uh, recommendation there. Uh, I think so too. So this will make six motions in the end before we're done. Which uh, depending on the result of this has perhaps an influence on some of the others. Um, so I, I will say once again that remember that the things you see in 2024 on that chart, those are the things that are adding up to 8 million next year. And those are the things that the 2023 budget discussions, uh, you know, will have to come to some agreement on. Uh, and again, not all of them can be put off. I look at the 2024 uh, one, and uh, I think that was the one where there was 25 million for the wastewater treatment plant which we're all got our fingers crossed that there's some grant that's going to appear uh, out of the sky for that one because it's a ha one of those have tos and you know even saying okay well don't spend a penny of the um, whatever it is this year seven million or something don't spend a penny of that it doesn't get you the wastewater treatment plant because you have to do a few other things in town besides that as well so what I'm saying here, you know, we've got 300,000 on the, um, in the motion, 
um, next year, depending on our stra strategic plan in a sense, but our other budget discussions do expect some very hard conversations as well. Um, we just will hope that some of the other elements aren't surprises to us like a few of them were this year. So um, can you please read the motion, Mrs. McQuaig? Certainly, Your Worship. I have moved to have $300,000 of the expected $500,000 in disaster recovery program reimbursement directed to operating revenue to reduce the tax rate. Okay. Um, slight clarification. This doesn't change any numbers before anyone gets all nervous. Um, there was something about expediting or a request to expedite or uh, have administration now. Is that a complication for administration to... Uh, is that... Is that accept... Okay. That... I'm assuming is acceptable to the person that made the motion. I just want to capture the essence of what we're doing. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there uh, the expediting was uh, writing those two letters that Councillor Bridge suggested? It was part. It was part of the motion. I'd like to have it included. Okay. Or, or, or to you could uh, separate it out into a separate motion and just pass the motion in front of you. Okay, then I'll. Does that I'll, work? Yes. Okay. Okay, so we have the motion in front of us. All those in favor of the motion. And okay, everybody's voted. Anybody opposed? Okay, it is carried. And so, now the uh, part of the motion to expedite, write a letter to the province and to our MLA asking for their assistance in expediting the payment. Yeah, and directing administration to do yeah. that. And, and wording it. Whoops. Oh, yeah. You do yourself, oh, Don. Wording it, and I want it worded as a request. I mean, I'm respecting. We've had a great deal of assistance from the province over the last couple of years, and I don't want to have this negate that, but I also want to recognize them to recognize that we could really use their help. Yep. Okay. Is the mayor signing that? Okay, so I'll have a look at it too. Yeah, um, no disrespect, but I'll just have a look before I sign yeah. the thing. <laughs> should I? I would, think? I would hope so, Your Worship. I should, I should, should read it. <laughs> okay, so we've got um, this motion on the floor, and Miss McQuaig, if you wouldn't mind, please uh, reading it for clarity. Certainly, I have Councillor Good moved that staff be directed to write a letter to the province, write letters to the province and our MLA requesting that the payment be expedited. Do you want me to clarify that as the DRP? Yeah, requesting their assistance in having the payment expedited. Requesting their assistance. That's a division sign, not a letter. The payment extended to right all right just give me a moment and i will repeat this uh that staff be directed to write letters to the province and our mla requesting their assistance in having the payment expedited mr good that works for you yeah thank you very uh, much 
Any discussion on this motion? All those in favor of the motion? Anybody opposed? Good. Okay, it is carried. Well, thank you, Mr. Good. That was a good start to this discussion. Um, Councillor Ford, um, with respect to the budget discussion, anything you would like to bring up at this point? Uh, not right now. Okay. Um, Councillor uh, Carr. Okay. So, uh, Councillor Boychuk. Yep, yep. All right. I, uh, thank you for putting this list together. Uh, I'd like to, um, you know, when I look at it, I, the fact that we're borrowing money for anything and, and, and still doing stuff, certain things uh, doesn't sit well with me. So I'd like to maybe look at Nixon, our downtown beautification the council to grants and um, taking $120 each off us each month would uh, be exactly 10 grand for council honorariums and, and kind of round up the taxi pass program to possibly look at another $100,000 in cuts between all, all these and shave off a little bit off the library grant to kind of get up to another 100 grand. And to just put that into our savings account and if we don't go over budget, then we have a little pad. And if we do, or if we do go over budget, we got a little pad. And if we don't, then we could put that in, add that back to the, the following year. Do you want to put that, some of that in form of a motion? And it might be better to do one by one. I'm, I'm I could. I, I'm just throwing it out there for discussion. It's just kind of my thoughts. I don't want to make a motion on anything yet. Yeah. Just want to kind of feel what people are thinking there, but. I was just doing some math there. And I, I love the fact that we've cut the taxes, so I'm, I'm pretty happy there, but I do worry about going to debt and, and, and uh, you know, maybe putting that other $200,000 instead of borrowing, you know, what would we save over the t lifespan of paying that, that loan back right on that 200 grand, we might make 50, 60 grand off that versus spending it. I don't, I don't know, that's a question for Terry, but when these rates are fixed and we're stuck at them for a long period of time, every dollar we throw on there kills us. So you say oh. the processor, Councillor Boychuk, and correct me, uh, Director Webstale, if I'm wrong on this. So the process of that, if you chose to reduce this, basically, uh, you got the two things, either reducing the tax rate or directing that money go into a cap capital or operating uh, reserve. That's correct. Councillor Good. Um, sometimes in a time of inflation, borrowing money at a low percentage rate is better than saving it and spending it after the increases have come in. So let's say we're paying 1% on a loan for X amount of dollars and we defer that. And then we have to do something to spend the money that's already increased by 5%. You can end up really negating any benefit of, of borrowing, of not borrowing the money. Am I correct on that, Mr. Webstell? It's just my understanding of mathematics. No, there is definitely something to that, Councillor Good. And, and that's why, and, and not being critical, I think we have to be very careful about 
things that may have a really good optic, again, deferring things, which sounds wonderful, you can defer them to the point where they're five to 10% more expensive. They're not, not like they're optional things. Like a lot of things that we're deferring, they're not options. They're things that we're putting off, hopeful, hoping that things will be better and hoping that things will be, when we examine our taxes over the next couple of years, more advantageous to do it. But it's a gamble. I mean, even, even my, my comment about taking the $300,000, there's a, and, and if you could speak to this, Mr. Websell, there's a lost opportunity cost in doing that, of taking that money and keeping it in reserve for a later expenditure. There's a lost opportunity cost. I'm aware of that. And I have to be aware of it. We're trying to, to negate a certain amount of pain. I don't want to get to a 0% increase because I know that that's just going to be more painful going forward. But also I'm recognizing that all of us as counselors share that, that whatever the increase we have, 2% or whatever, none of us are going to avoid that. So it, it's, I'm just, I just want, I guess I'm trying to say that I, I'm very careful. I'm very leery about doing certain things because of the negative costs to the future. And with no disrespect, Councillor Boychek, because I really do understand. One of the comments that you made that affected me the most and choked me up when you said it was you talked about the possibility of what the effect of a tax increase could do to people. I saw that you felt it and I felt what you felt. I want you to really understand that. I felt it. It hurt. Okay, so I just... I hope you understand. I'm saying it as, as plainly as I can. So. Oh, thank you, Don. I was just throwing that out there. If there was a cost savings, it's it's pretty easy to calculate, and I, I trust Terry's advice on that 100%. I look at some of those myself and see that um, who is uh, partaking of um, the uh, library the uh, grants to groups one and the taxi pass you know i look at the people that use those and they're the same people that there was a concern about raising property taxes in particular and actually water rates probably too so but anyway sorry that was my comment um uh, councillor ford any comments with respect to councillor boychuk's um points no i'm all good okay uh councillor shannon fine at this point thank you yeah um councillor carr i like all of mark's ideas um i was a little concerned about the taxi pass program but if 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 i think mark's more in tune than anybody with that um if we can shave that a little bit then uh then i'm all for it i i i've mentioned about the grants for groups i would like to see that one put on hold or, or, or re-examined maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see all of what Mike, Mark had uh, proposed uh, to be put to motion and, and voted on. Thank you. Okay, um, Deputy Mayor. Um, I do have a concern with the library just over my memory's sake here. We've not increased the library since when? 
like the library board and their 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 organization's been really good about keeping their costs low and even over the number of years so essentially which means they've been taking an inflationary cut just like you know we have in that in that regard so um I feel like we'd be putting the library in a pretty tough spot considering how well they've been and how close to the line they've been doing things over the last number of years if we take a long view of it. So I, I would not be in favor of the library cut for certain. Okay, so Councillor Boychuk, uh, would you be prepared to put forth, um, I think you have to split the motions from the discussions I've heard. So do you wanna put forth a motion to start? <laughs> I think Councillor Ford's got something. Oh, sorry, uh, Councillor Ford. Yeah, that, sorry for the late comments, but uh, uh, I, I agree with Byron on the on the uh, on the library. Um, council council grants to groups. I, I have no problem putting that on uh, on hold for now, but I'm going back on the taxi pass program. Going back to a comment because um, I know we discussed this at the community services board level and. Uh, Councillor or not, uh, uh, Director Bell had mentioned this a while back too. So our taxi pass program is subsidized by, I do believe the number was 85%. Yes. So we're, we're quite high in subsidies. Right. So we could uh, um, direct administration to lower the subsidy from 85% to pick a number. Well, it might be whatever, if, if a proposal or if a motion is made to reduce the taxi pass program by a specific amount, then, then that would be whatever percentage would, would just have to be built in into, into that. Although, yeah, again, my concern is saving, um, saving costs across the entire town with the, it, it seems our motivation for saving or for finding savings is particularly for more vulnerable populations and the taxi pass program is is specifically directed toward vulnerable populations so that i i would feel like we're kind of um well it would be it's 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 actually way worse than robbing peter to pay paul because you're taking you're taking it from the people that you're actually trying to help the most is, is my, and, and I don't mean to say you're taking it because that's, that's kind of horrible wording. So my apologies about that, but it's, I feel like it's moving. A taxi things pass in the is a greater percentage of their income than that's, another uh, sector. That, that, that's my concern. If, if, if we're looking out for the vulnerable, this is, this is one way that we, we really target our, yeah. our program to yeah. them. So I'll, I'll just say my piece again. Um, I'm not really in favor of that, um, of any of that. I, as I said, I look at the groups that are affected and yes, Councillor Honorarium is in there. Um, I think it should stay in there. Um, downtown beautification, I already said my piece on the tourism business with respect to that. So um, if we've reduced the taxes to, um, well, I think we've reduced it to what was it? it was ten dollars a month with the four point seven, so it must be down to five dollars or something with whatever the implications of the three hundred thousand was. Is that correct? 
it becomes a very modest tax increase yeah. relative to the rest of the province and relative to inflationary pressures that we all see as municipalities. Yeah. And next, you know, the next um, time we're dealing with budget 2023, um, we're going to be looking at some rather um, big needs on the social side, which most of this is, um, again, and if we cut it this year and then we do another cut and then uh, it just depends on philosophy, I guess. Anyways, so um, Mr. Boychuk, would you be prepared to make a motion um, on one of these topics so we can go forth on them? I'll make a motion to cut the um, grants to group program. Thanks. Um, any comments before this motion is voted on? Uh, just, to, just to clarify the motion, it should it should have the number. The motion should contain the number. Please. Just well, uh, part of the grants to groups has already been expanded. Uh, yes. So, so the motion should have the number remaining of, of what's of remaining. 30, 30, yeah, the thirty-seven thousand is the amount remaining that has not been expended to date. Okay, so Mr. Boychuk is uh, moving that the grants to groups, uh, council grants to groups program be cut by uh, $37,000 that is remaining in the program. Is that, is that the motion and is understood? Uh, Mrs. McQuaig? Do I have to say what we wanna do with that money? No, you Okay. No, because yeah. It just goes into. Okay, so um, Mr. Websdale, could you answer that question, Matt? Perhaps uh, Councillor Boychuk is saying, does he need to direct the thirty-seven thousand to the tax cut, or to putting it in a reserve, or just let it be? If we reduce the expenditures by that $37,000, then what we would do is we'd reduce the operating budget by exactly that amount. And then the resulting savings would be less taxes that we would levy. So it would translate not, into a lesser tax no. rate. He, he does not want, he's not wanting that. He's wanting the 37,000 to, it's still an expense, but it's going into a reserve. And he would so direct we, it to an operating reserve. So the, the tax rate just stays. That is good. Okay, good. Okay, so Mrs. McQuaig, um, grants, council grants to group be um, cut by 37,000 with the money directed to operating reserves. Is that what we said? Yeah. Madam Mayor, um, Councillor Good had his hand up. Oh, pardon me, uh, Councillor Good. Um, just a question. Um, and I'm, I think, um, I'm not sure who could answer this. We do not have applications presently attempting to address that 37,000. Am I correct in that? There are no applications in the pipeline? 
uh, bear with me, there may be one application. Um, I can have that answer for you momentarily. The reason I'm asking the question is, <coughs> well, <coughs> well, there may be questions about particular grants to group, particular grants to certain groups. Uh, a large number of these grants to groups assist people in providing recreation and providing other services that our grants to group allows them to do that we don't have to take the place of that. For example, I'll just say you have a, a backgammon club, and I don't think there is one, that's why I'm using it. Yeah, a backgammon club, we don't have to provide that recreation. We give them a grant of X amount of dollars, they provide that recreation. So that's a recreation that other people or, would advocate for. So I'm just saying that I, I understand that there's the, the desire to cut, but also you have to know when you're saying no, what you're saying no to. Ms. Ms. McQuaig? Uh, there are, I have no uh, applications on file at, at the moment. Then I'm fine with it. Thank you. It's just, I, I'm, I'm leery of canceling. Like I say that there's a, a whole grants to group program because we may have difficulty with one or two of the grants when a large, when a number of these grants I've seen in the past have taken the, have like I said, they allow us to not provide those services that are being provided by other people and they assist other people in providing services to our community. Your Worship, if I may just chime in for one quick moment. Okay. Earlier, there was a discussion about bringing in a motivational speaker. And I'm just going to make the suggestion that the grants to groups is one of those avenues by which things of that nature can be funded. There, there is value in having something there. Uh, car um i just feel there's other ways of of funding these things such as uh like mark had suggested with that motivational speaker where um people can get behind it and 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 fundraise in ways to bring these things that are important to the community like for example that motivational speaker i think that'd be a great thing but it doesn't need to be funded out of tax dollars just like uh, uh, we gave money to that that accessible playground um, a while back. And I, I think that is something that is an absolute must for the town. But again, I'm not sure it should be funded out of a program like that. I think there are, well, there's hundreds of ways you can fundraise if somebody wants to take hold of it and, and get behind it. And I certainly am willing to step up and do that sort of thing but i still don't think the grants for groups thing being tax dollars should be allocated the way it has been in my opinion uh, deputy mayor so a, a couple things what you can also look at the grants to groups as promotional dollars in that when there's events that go on say like pond hockey or the carnival um i'm trying to think of some other ones you know w when those happen and we apply grants to groups dollars for those that but hey, that puts us on the sponsorship list so we are promoting we're promoting the town and i think that's kind of a goal of this council is to promote the town so when people attend these events and they see uh they see all of our neighbors our neighboring municipalities you know sponsoring these events and that kind of thing and the town of peace river logo now is not going to be there um 
the other thing that I will speak to is that uh, the grants to groups is also an economic activity driver, which allows uh, groups to host events, which brings outside, you know, people to the community to come and see what's going on here, to experience our community, perhaps come back again. So it's 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 not as simple. I know it's it's easy to say, well, we're buying hockey jerseys for kids, um, or or something like that. But there's there's uh, those dollars are multiplied quite a bit when we do spend them in ways that maybe we don't originally consider when we just look at that number on a piece of paper. Um, so that's that's my concern with with losing the program. Councillor Ford. Deputy Mayor, I totally agree with uh, with your comments, um, but just to reiterate, this is only for uh, the remainder of this year and stuff like pond hockey and a, a lot of those a lot of those uh, events have already been cancelled this year. But when we look at uh, powwow, for instance, um, that is a, a budget line. I do believe that's now a budget line item that we do every year. I don't know, maybe Mr. Websdale, you could clarify for sure that um, powwow is uh, someplace. And also uh, there's a chamber of commerce um, amount that uh, in the past couple of years has been paid to the chamber of commerce. So they did not then keep coming to the grants to group to ask for funding for um, various events that um, Peace River helped them with. Uh, Councillor Good, you had a... Yeah, I, I think one of the things to consider is that, um, oh, <coughs> it's not fun, um, is that there's an opportunity now, and, and like I say, I have no problem if there's no pending applications, but I think rather than saying no to grants to groups, there's an opportunity, as we're, we're supposed to be policy makers, not necessarily saying yes to this group, no to that group, yes to this specific thing or no to that specific thing. I think what we're supposed to be doing is taking a look at a program and saying, in a grants to group program, how would we envision it to get the best bang for our dollars? How would we see it being expended? And what criteria we would put to a grant? For example, you bring 10,000 to the table, we bring 2,000 to the table. Um, it may be where it's a participatory thing. I mean, I'm just throwing out ideas, but rather than throw the whole baby out with the bathwater, I think by doing what we're doing right now with the grants to groups, we should, rather than go further than that, we should take a look at bringing the grants to group policy back to council and really take a look at, is it achieving the goals that council wishes to achieve? And if the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, how can it be either eradicated, we get rid of it, or we change it to achieve the goals that council wants to achieve. So I just think we should leave the door open on it to have that discussion rather than saying, oh, we want it all gone and then have to rebuild something that we already have when all we really have to do potentially is change the policies. So. Councillor Shannon. I can see where that would be. Um, I can see where that, that would be. Um, that would be a smart thing to do. Um, I did have one question though. I forgot what my question was. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Um, what I'd like to see is maybe it 
not be scrapped, but put on hold and reformed, like Don mentioned. I think um, some of the problems some of us had about the grants to groups were was, was the way it was rewarded and uh, the criteria and sometimes the lack of criteria and it was rewarded anyway. So I think that's basically what where the problem was where was that uh, the criteria surrounding the the um, um, passing out those grants. I think that's where we needed to uh, kind of reduce some reforming or so I think uh, I agree with Dawn. I think we don't scrap it. We we put it up for um, revisit the policy and see if we can improve it and make it more efficient for for what we need. That would be my 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 um, two bits. Councillor Boychuk. Um, Terry, looking on the the budget line here, twenty five one hundred. We got grants to organizations. Uh, last year we spent one hundred one grand on that, and this year we're budgeting one hundred sixty. What's the difference? What what's that involved in there? Councillor Boychuk, what was the line item again? What was the line number? Okay, hang on a second. It's twenty five one hundred. I believe some of that is through community services and FCSS yeah, grant FCSS money and that kind of thing too, I believe. So, so a, a good chunk of that is with the Ski Hill 738, and I believe that's a one-time grant. Is it Tourism Alberta? So a, a good portion of that goes back to that, the Ski Hill. And we'll do some investigating. And, and uh, I just want to comment, like, you know, I heard Arthur heard today from Terry that we are not sustainable. And when I look at our long-term debt interest, we, we're paying 75 grand more in interest this year, taking out another, how much, $1.2 million loan. So that's gonna add to that interest that we're gonna, and we're becoming less and less sustainable. So, you know, I'm just along the lines, I'd like to start making some cuts so that we are sustainable. And when I look at this lovely pie chart, that uh, whoever, and tons of comments on this amazing chart. If you start at the library and work backwards, we're, we're spending $451 on our community. So, you know, it's not like we're cutting everything going to our community. We're contributing to multiplex programs, fields and parks still, the pool and water park, museum, libraries, you know, that's $451 of that tax. So I, that, I'm just trying to reduce our burden on our taxpayers and make us more viable so that uh, we're not increasing that long-term debt where at the point it just crushes us. And that's all of our tax increases, just covering our, our, our interest payments. And then we're in trouble. Deputy Mayor. I guess my concern with that is, is, uh, is there a number that we could cut ourselves to, to get sustainable? So I'm gonna extend Dawn's question a little bit and really put Terry on the spot. Um, there's a question of being sustainable or not. Now, there's a point in time where that could be $1, if you understand what I'm saying. Like if we had one more dollar, we would be sustainable. If we had one less dollar, we wouldn't be. There's, there's kind of that point, you know? Um, so I guess the, the other thing we should be considering is to what degree are we unsustainable? Are we a million bucks a year unsustainable? Are we four million dollars a year unsustainable um because if we are so far from being sustainable that another thirty thousand dollars here or there you know wouldn't matter it's kind of the you know it's it's a little difference between being shot in the head or shot in the heart like you know you you 
you're still going down. It's just a question of how long. And so I, I, that's sort of kind of where, where I'm going on this. If, if we do not have a hope of building our way to sustainability or cutting our way to sustainability, that, that certainly changes, you know, how I would view um, moving certain items around on this budget for a certain purpose. Your Worship? Good. Um, to um, Councillor Scamahorn's comment, one of the questions I can ask this, Terry, is that I, I think that all of the councillors are recognizing that there's a limit to taxation. That we're getting to the point of, and I don't think I'm going to get disagreement from any councillors here, we're getting to the point where the taxation level itself is going to become a detriment to our community. Um, I, if I wanted to ask for a quick show of hands, I think I'd be getting fanned and I'm sitting in another room. So the question I would ask you is, I'll make a statement. You can tell me whether you agree with it or not. My position has been, based on the research that I've done, that we are not, we cannot tax our way out of this issue. Would you, would that be a reasonable statement from your understanding of our economic position? Generally speaking, it's hard to tax your way to sustainability. Very general answer. Yeah, and, and further to that, as I've maybe harped to the point of nausea, I don't think the town historically and then I'm speaking on 20 years plus of experience here of going through budget after budget after budget after budget has an overall spending problem. I think we seriously have a revenue problem. And I think our last um, uh, director of corporate services figured that to become what he termed optimal, which would be where we can turn our cars the most efficiently, maintain our equipment most efficiently, we would be running around $8 million a year more than we're getting now. I think his comment was that we could be maintaining a status quo and not going further behind every year in our infrastructure stuff was in the neighborhood of around $4 million a year. Now, what did our ICFs bring us in terms of funding over a period of, uh, per year? Uh, one point something million dollars? Roughly $1.1 million. So what I'm saying is that by the best educated guesses of our directors of corporate services, we're falling behind to the tune of millions of dollars a year in terms of not addressing infrastructure. Your comment to this council was very, very straightforward. You said we do not spend enough on maintaining our infrastructure. Now you didn't put a number to that, but I don't think it would be out of line from some of the comments that have been made by previous directors of infrastructure. And I think we have to recognize that and start dealing with that reality. No, we can't tax our way out. Because we could put our taxes up another 50% a year. Pardon me, another 10% a year. It's not going to get us out of this situation because it doesn't generate enough money 
to replace that shortfall of the million dollars or two million or three million dollars a year. We have to be looking at other alternatives. So I'm just leaving it at that so people understand the quantum of the sort of the, the range of the problem that we're facing. And it's not insignificant. Okay, thank you. So we've got a motion on the floor to um, uh, cut grants to groups um, funding of the remaining 37,000 and to add that to operating reserves. And just to be clear, that does not change the tax rate. And uh, we've had uh, a couple of people comment about maybe we should look at the policy, which could be a motion directing uh, staff to bring something up to us afterwards. So anyways, are we clear on the motion? Anybody would need it rewritten, re rewritten, redirected? Councillor Ford, one last one. Yeah, I just, just uh, Councillor Boychuk, I tend to agree with, uh, with a couple of my other councillors that we should look at the policy rather than actually cutting it. Is that something you would be uh, interested in changing your motion? A hundred percent. Yeah, that's good advice. I, I, I can change my motion that we bring the grants to group program before council um, so that we can vote on uh, or not vote on, but uh, decide what we want to do that for the remaining of the year and how we want to move forward with that. Does that make sense? Can we put it on hold until until no. we okay we we've got yeah. some real substantial amendments here so so but okay so first of all um admin needs to know whether or not they can accept uh, further grants to groups that that is uh part of this so they can't put it on hold really because there are some we're supposed to follow the policy that's there and there are some built-in timelines um for the next yeah. intake and so on and so on like, yeah, so, so if, if, it's there. if council could vote on the current motion and then if it uh, defeats, then they could bring another motion into direct administration to investigate the, the grants to groups and bring something forth to council. If I may beg two moments of council's time, I have a copy of this on my desktop. I will check. It's possible that the policy is subject to council budgetary funding. So if council doesn't budget it, it's possible that if, if you remove the $37,000, then we don't have to accept. I think that makes it messy because uh, John Smith out there, do I apply or don't I apply? Well, I don't know. Did council pass the budget or didn't they sort of thing? It's, but anyway, if you have it on in front of you, if, if you can find it quickly, but we do have a motion right now that does talk about the 37,000. It hasn't been withdrawn. It's a different one. And and would it be better to just say withdraw $30,000? Like, no. no, do the whole thing? Okay. Um, Madam Mayor, it says, where did that document hide? Uh, the total amount, the total annual budget for grants to organizations shall be set at $50,000 to be reviewed from time to time. So if council wishes to consider this a budgetary review and reduce or eliminate the budget, that is within the policy. Yeah, so we, well, yeah. Okay, uh, so the motion we have right now is that the grants to groups be, re, uh, be cut by 37,000 
uh, of the remaining budget um, and the money be moved to operating reserves. That does not cut tax rate. It does not change the policy, which um, seems to be the, the swing we're going on now. So uh, Mr. Boychuk could withdraw his $37,000 one. Um, he could make a mo new motion or we can vote in that one and see what happens. Uh, just before we do that, um, just to we have we have five very very important motions we need to complete by tonight, and so right now we're discussing things that do not change the numbers on those five motions, and those are things that we can bring back at later council meetings and that kind of thing. So if I may try to give administration an assist here by suggesting that we reserve all of our future motions to things that would actually impact the numbers because if we have no desire to change the numbers as they're sitting we should pass the five motions now and get them done and then if they we want to play with other policies and that kind of thing that's that's good that's good that if that fits what our strategic goals are that's good but we can deal with those later and so administration can get moving on dealing with the the, the work that they need to do to finalize this what we have to do tonight uh, I think some of them um, do, like some councillors have mentioned things that if cut, they do have, uh, I guess, some um, philosophical implications. Or... Which, is, which is fair, but yeah. we just spent, we spent half an hour mm -hmm. not changing the number that we need to decide on tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, we do have a tabled motion on the floor that we need to deal with. So it either gets withdrawn or uh, or you vote on it and defeat it or approve it. Councillor Boychuk, what is your wish? Let's have a vote. Okay. It's over and done with. Okay. All those in favor of the motion. Okay. Uh, so the, the favor, the motion is to cut the $37,000 remaining in the grants to groups budget and move it to operating reserves. So I uh, got a count here. One, two, three. Okay, four. Uh, uh, I can't. Okay. Okay, so the motion is carried. Opposed? <laughs> okay, so um, that 37,000 comes out of the grants to groups, meaning that there is no more applications. And so that will be a communication item at some point here rather quickly. So that is no one. Um, okay, so taking into account Deputy Mayor's um, thoughts, um, we can carry on one by one here on this list or somebody else can bring up another motion. Maybe that's the way to do it. Somebody put up their hand and say, I want to make a motion doing this or that to these numbers. And then, or they wanna have admin bring back a policy on anything here too. But we will uh, speed up our thoughts a little bit maybe. So any further motions that someone would like to bring forward? Councillor Ford. Yes, just with this past discussion, I'd like to put a motion on the floor to direct administration to bring back the uh, grants to groups policy to council for a review at an upcoming meeting. That should be fairly clear. All those in favor of the motion. 
Opposed? It's carried. Any further motions? I'll look at my screen here. Okay, so I'm not hearing any further motions on that list or anything like it. So now I'm going to go back to the um, uh, agenda document and the recommendations from administration. And I think we have to do these one by one. So first one is council approves the 2022 operating budget in the amount of $29,573,270. So a question for uh, Director Websdale, if I were to make a motion that council approve the two 2022 operating budget in the amount of $29,273,270. Does that encapture our previous discussion around the 300,000? It, it or doesn't is there a better way to do that? 570,000, not 270,000. Well, yeah, well, yeah. But what, I know I did the math on purpose because I backed your 300 out of it. No, so, the three the three hundred would stay in the the operating budget, and okay. it's just a transfer in and out. Okay, so leave the number as is and make a motion. Is that what I do? Yeah, because it's Please compensating. Counselor. Excellent, great. So, I move that council approve the twenty twenty two operating budget in the amount of twenty nine million five hundred seventy three thousand two hundred seventy dollars. Any discussion? All those in favor? Any opposed? It's carried. Okay. Uh, somebody else should take a shot at that one. Um, so capital recommendation is here. Uh, Councillor Good, your hands up. I'll move that council approves the 2022 capital budget in the amount of $7,184,062. Any discussion? All those in favor of the motion? Any opposed? It is carried, thank you. Uh, we have item three, solid waste charge be set at $19 effective July 1, 2022. So this is the one that's up from the $17 presently. Another council <coughs> would like to make that motion. Councillor Ford. Yes, your worship put a motion on the floor that the solid waste charge be set at $19 effective July 1st, 2022. Thank you. Any discussion? All those in favor? Thank you. Oh, anybody opposed? Nope, it's carried. Thank you very much. Okay, item four. Somebody else like to put forth a motion? No one wants to do this one because it's horrible. <laughs> well, okay, I'll move that a solid waste levy of $29 per month to recover the 373,000 charge from the PRWMC be imposed effective July 1, 2022 for a period of six months. Thank you. Any discussions on that motion? All those in favor? Opposed? Carried. Thank you. Um, yep. Mm -hmm. and do we need to specify in that motion? Now I realize it's been voted on that it be stated on the statements that is only for six months. 
that, that could be that in the, like it needs well, to be it, written yeah it is for a period of six months and as far as the communication goes that's something admin can work out on yeah. the details there but your intention you see on your bill yeah yeah, yeah. 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 yeah your intention would be it's on that little box yeah. okay it's a good thought we don't want to miss saying that <laughs> okay we have um one more motion if anyone would like to put that one forward I can't make motions. Sure. <laughs> oh, Don, good. Thank you. I remember, you don't have to like it to do it. Um, that a full cost recovery water weight model be phased in over two years with implementation commencing July 1st, 2022. Thank you. Any further discussion on that one? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Opposed? It is carried. Okay. Well, uh, I would um, like to thank administration for their uh, diligence and um, <coughs> all the hard work that's gone into um, getting us this far. And uh, do realize that you've also had some very hard discussions and um, some, um, well, uncertainty over the course of our council deliberations for, as I said, about four months or so. Uh, it is my hope that uh, after our strategic plan is um, uh, finalized, or at least in a good draft form, that uh, Council will then take the opportunity to start um, budget deliberations for next year. And I realize that budget deliberations means things like looking at service levels and deciding council policy on that sort of thing because that's where admin kind of takes the their direction and um, goes forth so thank you everybody for your patience uh, with me and with this discussion and um, it's been a, a learning curve I can't I don't think anybody would say differently on that one so thank you for your patience and um, well your your thoughts too because um all of this, it's rather complicated. And as counselors, we have just a limited amount of time to really get our thoughts together and go forth on things. So next year, uh, we'll maybe start a little earlier and see what happens. So we're now back to the agenda. And I believe we're at information. Section 10, a letter from the town of Fox Creek with respect to an increase in utility fees. And the utility fees that I believe are referred to in the letter are, um, is it for gas and electricity or is it something else? Yes, um, it's to the, um, a copy of a letter they sent to the Utilities Commission, which is a provincial commission that oversees um, basically discussions, complaints and bouquets about utility rates set by, is it both electrical and gas? Does anybody know? I think it's both. Yeah. We make any changes Natural to gas our and electricity. electricity. Yeah, we, yeah, we go through the EUC. Okay. So anyways, it's there for information. If any counselor would like to put forth a motion about this uh, for information or otherwise, uh, now would be the time. Counselor Good. Counselor Good. One of the, one of the comments made, um, by I think a member of the commission was that if they don't receive any letters and they don't receive any comments, 
they're constrained from reacting. In other words, they, they're a reactive group, not a proactive group. So I think adding our voices to the choir of saying that, um, how would I, I don't mean this in a negative way because I, I do believe in the free market system to a degree, but businesses, there's been a lot of businesses who have not had any financial pain during this time. I'm going to leave them unnamed, but there are a lot. And there are a lot of businesses who have just passed on that increase and passed on the increase and passed on the increase because they can, they can, they can. And this is one of the opportunities, one of the areas where a mechanism exists for us to make our discomfort and our displeasure known. So I would like, I would like to make a motion that we um, support the letter um, from our, our neighbors and in the town of Fox Creek and that we echo their thoughts. And direct administration to do so. So direct administration to write to the Alberta Utilities Commission with the thoughts that you expressed in that motion? That's correct. Okay. Um, Mrs. McQuaig, do you have the motion? Uh, what I have drafted, uh, sorry, I'm in mid-word, uh, direct administration to prepare a letter to the EUC uh, supporting the position outlined by Fox Creek. Correct. Is it, it's the Alberta Utilities Commission, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Any further discussion on that motion? All those in favor? Opposed? Carried. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, do we have any notices of motion, Mr. McQuaig? Oh, we have none, Your Worship. Any comments from the public? N not really, because then it's here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Um, key communication items, uh, Ms. Bouchard, what would you think? Thank you, Your Worship and Council. Um, I just wanna try to keep this brief uh, in an effort to let you guys move on. Um, so I believe all or both presentations are worth communicating as well as the bylaw uh, that will have the amendment, the item listed for unfinished business, the seven items under new business, as well as the one item under information. Of course, um, if anything, if council has anything to add on, I am open to any comments or feedback. Well, I think the budget kind of moves kind of to the top of the list somehow rather. So I'm sure the wording on that one will be fun. Um, but um, it is there. I don't know if it's too early to talk about the heat conference or that would be a little later maybe. It's a biggie for the town and the fire department for sure. You know, They do hard work to, to put it on and that sort of thing too. But uh, any further comments, councillors? Bouquet to the Chamber of Commerce for the organization of the trade show. Yeah, definitely say a word or two of there. Mm -hmm. I'll get some flashy pictures to share. <laughs> well, thank you, Megan. That was great. Um, okay, 
So now I suggest we have a five minute break and then we'll come back and somebody will perhaps move us into closed session and we will continue on. Thank you. So that, bring, that would be at uh, 9.10, we are back here. And 